No subscriptions, no network, no rules, and at the end of the day, my friends, no comparison. Welcome back to uh, another edition of Banal of America. Our special winter of weirdness continues uh, here, and doing something a little different tonight. Uh, sort of, sort of uh, signal boosting a show that I'm a huge fan of. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, during the pandemic, I, I started walking a lot. I don't have a real opportunity to listen to podcasts, uh, so. This this actually opened the door for me to start checking out some podcasts. And I had one half of tonight's guests, uh, Dr. Chris Cogswell, on the show. And uh, he is uh, the co-host of the Mad Scientist podcast. So I got into the Mad Scientist podcast, listened to it, really absolutely fell in love with this show and loved it, uh, listened, just devoured it, um, all these uh, different episodes. Uh, and then when I knew we were going to get rolling again with Banal of America, I was like, let's do something different, because I've seen, I haven't heard him on these other, on the UFO shows, but I, poor Chris gets dragged on all these UFO shows, and I'm like, I want to hear from Chris and Marie, I want to I want to talk to these these folks about about their podcasts, about some of the topics they've explored on the show, and, and sort of, uh, if they if they haven't heard of it yet, get, get it into the ears of the Banal of America listeners uh, so they can check it out, because, you know, I'm very sporadic in my podcasting, and people always want more podcasts, so uh, I think they'd really, really like the Mad Scientist podcast. I'm a pretty discerning uh, listener, and I, I, I really enjoyed it quite a bit, and, and do still enjoy it, obviously. Uh, so Chris is here tonight, Dr. Chris Cogswell, and his co-host, Marie Mayhew. Uh, they are they are the, the Mad Scientist podcast crew, so we're going to have a little jam session tonight and talk to him about the show and the topics and all that good stuff. So welcome, uh to Banal of America. Much appreciated, guys. Thanks for having us. We're we're super excited. Absolutely. And thank you for being discerning because God knows we're not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was excited because this connects back. I had Chris on a couple years ago, and uh, so I was looking at the list here of shows, uh, and <laughs> this, this one's on you, Marie, because I – I'm like, I'm like, because when I had Chris on, because he's a nanotech guy, I'm like, what's the deal? What's the deal with space elevators? All I ever hear about is space elevators from these nano people. So then I like go on, and I'm like, oh shit, they did a space elevators episode, just just, just like I asked Chris about. And then I start listening to it, and Marie's like, who's the fucking stoners out there thinking this shit's crazy? Like I'm like, oh no, oh no, that's me. <laughs> Yeah, we, uh, the elevator one that I saw, and I was like, "Oh yeah, 
Yeah, we're going to have to touch on space elevators because if, if Chemtrails doesn't make Cogs literally lose his shit, then this one is going to have to. And then he comes back and he's like, well, actually, there are some legitimate scientists. And I'm like, no! Uh, <laughs> there are definitely, definitely every couple episodes, I'd say, one that usually Marie can peg me pretty well. She's like, I know... I know what Chris is going to think about this, and he's going to, you know, his hair is going to be falling out by the end of the episode. But every <laughs> once in a while, we'll talk about one that I'm like, I don't know, Marie, I really think the lizards might be pulling the strings here. Like, this really, <laughs> really might full-on be just, like, you know, craziness. So, but, um, yeah, man, it's, oh, God, the space space elevators is such a funny, such a funny thing, too, because you're like, so you were you were probably one of the first people to mention it really to me, but then... I feel like it's one of the things that we get we get emails about it like all the time. People are like, "What's the deal with space elevators, man?" And um, I, I don't know, man. There's like a really powerful space elevator lobby in the United States just pushing the hell out of it, man. Just making, yeah. make, making people really interested. <laughs> well, I told you at the time. I was like, I just remember it was always tied into nanotechnology, and it was always like they're going to be able to make a. They're going to be able to make a rope that'll run on a space elevator. It'll be like it'll be like dental floss that's unbreakable. And it's like, all right, get the fuck out of here right. with that. That's that's not no no they won't no they won't. And that was like 15 years ago. I'm like, all right, where's that space elevator you promised us? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we we uh, now we had Chris on a couple of years ago. Marie, tell us your backstory. Uh, give us the bio, the background. Who is Marie Mayhew, and, um, you know, since you'll be sort of segueing right from the bio, you might as well sort of explain to us how, because Chris started the show out, and then you came on aboard. So how did all that come together? How did how did the mad scientist yeah. crew, as we know it oh, now, uh, become a thing? This unlikely parent. Well, we both researched, um, and are still, Chris more so than I, but we both researched for Astonishing Legends podcast, and we were some of the original members of the Astonishing Legends Research Research Corp. I think it is ARC. Um, ARC, the core, yeah. The core, yeah. And I, I, uh, I joined and I immediately just started to ping Chris with, like, any random science question, you know, just because I was like, oh, look, he's got a doctor in front of his name. I'm just going to hit him with everything I got. Like, do you know anything <laughs> about AIDS or, like, you know, it was like, just complete random stuff, and he was always like, "Hey, you know what? That's that's kind of you know okay. I'll play. Like, what else? You know, what else he got?" And so we did that for a couple of years, and then um, you know he was doing his own thing with Mad Scientist, and then he said, "Hey, um, I want to do kind of a roundtable, um, and I'd love to have you on." And I was like, "Wow, you know, because I never, you know, I never really, never really thought about going on to you know actually anything besides research." Um, and then we just sort of got into it, and we've been doing it for a number of years. Um, I've got my own spinoff, which is Whatever Remains podcast, mm-hmm. which is um, you know much more of a deep dive into certain topics. Um, we did the Havana Sonic Weapon, which has come back up in the news, you know, frequently ever since the, um, we released the episodes. Uh, Denver International Airport and the conspiracy theories around that. Um, my personal favorite, which is a standalone episode on the origins of the song um, Irish Rover, as done by the Pogues and the Chieftains. Oh, wow. And um, 
recently we've been um, uh, most recently um, covering the Circleville letter writer, which is a famous uh, case from Unsolved Mysteries, and it's about a 19, um, 1970s letter writer who terrorized a small town in Ohio um, and who seemingly knew all of their dark, deep secrets, and um, it went on for decades and decades, and it's sort of this this uh, urban legend that has grown out of control that, um, that I've been looking into and trying to wrap up that, um, and it's one of those ongoing series that you just keep digging and finding out more about. So it's been kind of, you know, that's, that's my backstory. It's like we, I love research. I love doing the deep dive. I love going and finding the documents and digging into them. And, and I think it's just fascinating, you know, how much, um, how much you kind of hear about things you hear about a story or a myth. And it's just all sort of a face value. And you listen to it and you're like, And then you just start to dig into it. And it's always learning about something is always almost more interesting and more exciting than the initial story itself. And I think that that's where Chris and I really jive that, you know, we both really love to dig into stuff and just, you know, be like, eh, I don't know if that's exactly what I want to do. What's the chupacabra? Is the chupacabra really a thing? We will just like, we just started from there and it's been, it's been super fun ever since. And it's like, you know, especially ever since the pandemic and everything else, it's been like very psychologically relieving to have somebody to to talk to and to to get our thoughts out to everybody. That's me. Yeah, that's yeah. Me. All right. But, yeah. You know, I'm like, yeah, that's probably one one red got... string away from a crazy murder board to begin with. So then I found Chris. <laughs> <laughs> he's the thumbtack yeah, of your really? yarn. He's he's the thumbtack of my yarn of the crazy string that is our thinking. Yeah, we're we're basically like, you know, I always joke with my wife that I'm like one bad Burger King order away from like super villainy. Um, <laughs> so it is it is it is definitely nice to have the uh, the man. Podcasting is weird because it's like you start off doing it and just kind of thinking like it'd be a cool thing to do, and you think it's going to be a really interesting, uh, really interesting pastime, you know, and then suddenly yeah. people are people are like listening to you, you know. And I mean, we're not even like a you know we're not a huge show or anything, uh, but it's just so I don't know. It's very humbling and strange, and um, you know, it's it's just been a yeah. lot of fun. And it's always it's always good to have you know. I think I picked I think I picked a really good co-host, frankly, because you know whenever uh, I start veering off into crazy land or Marie starts veering off into you know different stuff that she wants to do or whatever, we're both really good about I think kind of keeping each other accountable to, you know, like, well, what was the point of the show initially? What were we really hoping to do with it? And um, just kind of staying on the, uh, I don't know, man, just trying to stay true to what we were, what we initially hoped to do when we started the show and started working together. Yeah, you know, what I like, like about this. Really Go ahead, Marie. That, lair, that, that volcano lair. He's really close to that, by the way. So this is good. This is, this is more therapy. Like, if there's anyone uh, out there I know be a supervillain, it's Cogs. I can see that, yeah. I can, I, I can see that. No, no offense, Dr. Cogs. Um, no, it's fine. Well, it's that's, fine. What I, that's what I like about the show is uh, oh, well, several things, but uh, you guys have great chemistry on there, and I love the 
that you do these multi-episode arcs, these like deep, really deep dives on stuff. Um, it's it's you almost don't podcasting is strange in a way because it's like in this new media landscape, it's sort of uh, podcasting has kind of uh, replaced TV almost in a way. Like people binge watch TV now, but with podcasting, it's mm-hmm. sort of still that that week to week thing, which is kind of an interesting. Um, way of looking at it, and, and, and so for the folks who are listening tonight who haven't checked out the show yet, you can kind of, this is how I experienced it, you can go and sort of binge these episodes, wherein you guys do like four or five episodes on, the like I want to talk to you about the Unabomber, like that was probably my favorite series that you did, it was like four and a half hours, something like that, of, of just going through the Unabomber's life from childhood to today or whatever, and just in incredible detail, uh, it was it was really tremendous stuff. That was I was pretty much hooked on the show after that. I was like, where the where what other episodes can I look at? One of these, uh, you know, just started like downloading like furiously after that. Um, oh, but really, you. really, yeah, love love the way yeah, you guys we, do that. Thank you. Oh, yeah, thank we, you. we we try to, um, you know, what I mean, I, like I know I listened to a bunch of podcasts before I started uh, the show. You know, and like we said, we started off like we met each other doing research for Astonishing Legends. So when we, you know, if you listen to Astonishing Legends or if you listen to like Hardcore History or Serial or any of the shows that really, I guess, sort of inspired us to get started, um, you know, that's the format definitely that we're more interested in. But there's also like, you know, definitely, I, I think there's a tendency a lot of the time for you know, shows that cover these sorts of topics to either take themselves way too seriously, you know, or kind of dig, kind of dig really hard into like, you know, crazy land. You know what I mean? Um, Ted Kaczynski is a, you know, Ted Kaczynski and the Unabomber is a great kind of example of that because you have, you know, there's clear evidence that like he went through MK ultra experimentation that seems to have really messed him up. You know, it's like a one-to-one it's like a straight line between, you know, Ed Kaczynski enters Harvard, a psychologically frail teenager, and then he leaves a hardened terrorist, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's a pretty, you know, I mean, of course, you can't blame someone's criminality on, like, one event or whatever. You know, it's the world isn't Batman. But, uh, but at the same time, it's definitely one of those cases where people who maybe believe in, in say, more, like, conspiratorial things or believe in more things outside of maybe the realm of what we'd call like academic history or extended history or accepted science or whatever. That's like a case where you can really point to and be like, man, but like this time they kind of have a point, right? Like, you know, he was experimented on unethically. All these experiments really happened. Um, you know, there's something like real to this story that's, that's interesting. And so when we try to dig into these episodes and we try to dig into these topics, we try pretty hard to to keep ourselves grounded in the truth and in reality, but also, you know, I mean, give the devil his due. You know what I mean? Like, Ted Kaczynski was mm-hmm. a victim of MK Ultra. That is just the fact of the matter. <laughs> you know, it's not a. Um... Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Right. I don't really know how else to describe it. It's just like <laughs> you know, he was. Yeah. It makes episodes like that and stories like that, I think, particularly interesting because, again. Um, what we try to do is, whereas other shows will give you sort of the sensational view one way or the other way, we try to stay kind of towards the center 
And not we're not always as good about it. You know, if we do an episode on chemtrails, I'm going to scream about them being not real. <laughs> but, right, you right. know, we, we try to kind of – we kind of try to edge that line um, and, again, try to give people facts and, you know, the kind of analysis and, like, history that we would find interesting. Yeah, and I, I think that you bring up, like, a good point with uh, MKUltra and Kaczynski. It's like – but also – um, that was one point in, in his life, and like, who was he before that? And kind of what is, you know, what were, what could you find that were the total ingredients that made that man who he was, or is? and yeah. how, you right. know, and, and then and then how does how do how do we as kind of like pop culture and just you know the aftermath of Kaczynski kind of view him and and what does that say about us? And I think that those are the kind of things that we try and get into that are, I think, really interesting as well because it's like even though um, Cox and I were very, um, I think, uh, like, I grew up pretty analytical and pretty fact-based with that entire episode, we also had this tinge of fanboy about the entire thing, right, which is really hard to not incorporate when you're talking about somebody who is, who is that... Um, who is that no. significant character, right? But I don't. Think <laughs> but you know, it's not that it's right. It's not that it's good, and it's not that it's something that anyone out there listening should do. I'm just saying that it's one of those things that you're like, holy smokes, they would have never got this guy. He was making his own screws. Like they would have never have touched this guy had these things not happened. And yeah. to me, it's like that kind of reverence, though, is is a weird. It's a weird reaction to something that is not necessarily good which I think, you know, we, we kind of veer into uh, philosophy and sort of that stuff as well. And to me, it's like those are the things that are really interesting to talk about and think about as well, besides like, hey, here's Ted Kaczynski, but like what does he mean still to, to, um, to American culture? Yeah. yeah it's, hard, it's hard not to look at – it's hard not to look at someone like, – like Marie said, we try really hard to – we try really hard as well to sort of take our – I think a lot of I think a lot of shows in this sort of genre, especially, and the genre is sort of either I guess we kind of we're a weird show. We hit the genres of like science, philosophy, and like the paranormal. Right. And right. so I think a lot of the times science shows, even I listen to like science shows, and I'm asleep in ten minutes because it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I I need to be you know like yeah I could I. I'm not trying to listen to a reread of Encyclopedia Britannica. You know what I mean? Like, if I wanted to read a biology textbook, I read a biology textbook. Yeah. I, I need some context, need some history, I need something a little bit more interesting. And so we try to on the show, although we do dig into like deep scientific concepts when they're needed and when they're you know. So in the Unabomber series, we talked a lot about the psychology and kind of the science behind the idea of a personality because that's what happened to Ted. Right? Was when he was at Harvard the studies that he was undergoing or the studies that he was part of were this attempt by a psychologist working for MKUltra, but also just doing research into personalities and the way personalities develop into understanding how, how your personality and how your values are created. And part of the reason to study that is so that you could break down somebody's personality and value if you had to, if you had to interrogate them, you know, if they were an enemy combatant. And yeah. so we get into the science there, but we also try to talk about stuff that, you know, everyone can dig into a little bit, you know, and really ask people to think when they listen. I mean, 
like Marie said, we kind of end the, you know, throughout, throughout the Unabomber series, um, you know, we're, it's, it's hard not to understand what Kaczynski was saying about technology when you're like getting death threats on Twitter for not believing in UFOs. You know, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's hard to His be like, I was is... wrong about the internet. This is a great thing. You know, like, no. Yeah. You know, that's one of the weirdest parts <laughs> about the Unabomber is like that he, <laughs> that he's because his crazy shtick is like becoming more and more like, well, you know, the bombing yeah. thing I could live without, Ted, but the whole technology is a bad idea. You're kind of onto something there. So it's, it's he really, was 10 yeah. Years the, later, he would have started, yeah, he would have started a podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, and I would have exactly. listened, probably, you know? It's really, it's, and so we try to, we try to ask people these sorts of questions to say, you know, you know, okay, yeah, can can you separate this guy from what he's arguing about? And can you um what were kind of the logical flaws or what were the the surroundings in his history that made him turn towards you know, a lot of people who are anti technology are, are they're not violent. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> Right, right. Lots of people live yeah, in the woods on their own. I said they also get their message out. I think that the one of the big things is that he, the reason you know that about him is that he got his message out there. Good, bad, like, yeah, again, not a true. good thing, but that's different. The reason that you know about his his manifesto and the fact that he was anti-technology was because he was blowing up people, right? Because that's like, point. And so I don't yeah. think you bring up a good point. Like, can you separate those things? Like, can you say, well, I really respect this part of, of what he was saying. A man, he was right. Without being like, and he he was okay with serious casualty counts. Like he didn't see humans and people around him as as valid as valid. Period. So I mean, yeah. to me, it's like those are the, those are the, the sort of the the questions that are the most interesting because it's like, yeah, of course, like you can look at stuff now. I look at stuff now. And I'm like, yeah, Facebook is fucking evil. There's no two ways about that, in my opinion. <laughs> but like. You know, to be able to get to that kind of, to get to that prognosis, you're almost like, well, we had to go through a, a failed election, like you know, or, you know, like we had to go a failed election. Um, oh my God, I'm 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 reiterating the big lie. I'm that's not what I mean. We had to go through a basic thing. You mean the 2016 yeah, I, I election? <laughs> yeah, I, I get what you're saying. We had we had to go we yeah we had to go through we had to go through. Uh, yeah. Well, this was Chamber great, Tim. We're now canceled. We'll talk to you later. Um, <laughs> it's over. It's over. No. Um, I think it's a really interesting, again, it's sort of a, that's another thing we harp on a lot on the show. And I realize, Tim, that you're like the interviewer and we are we're just not letting you talk at all. No, I'm um, not. I've, I've, got, all my, I've got, got, got all my shit. Um, Load it up. The, uh, the, the interesting thing, I, I guess, about a lot of this stuff is there really are, you know, again, we we come at it from this point of, like, if you're going to make, uh, if you're going to have people, like, on TV saying that, oh, aliens are buzzing nuclear power plants that are going to end the world or save the world, or if you have people like, you know, um, Alex Jones pushing uh, boner pills or whatever and selling to people or uh, real politicians believing kind of some of the crazy stuff that they say, that those figures say, you know, we try to take that stuff seriously then. Like what are the, what is the logical conclusion 
and what is the philosophical underpinning and the history and science behind the stuff that those people say, you know, because right. I think it's, it's silly. And like, like Marie said, I don't, I don't think we realize that it, we, we, me and Marie have always felt that it wasn't silly, that it was serious and something to, to care about and be cautious of, you know, but I think for the rest of the world, and not you and not your listeners, really. I mean, anyone who's been into this kind of subject for a long time knows that, like, there's a lot of support for this stuff. And sometimes it veers off into really weird territory. And, you know, it's it, it's not hard to, like, put the pieces together um, to where it can become actionable and sort of radicalized and whatever. But, you know, I don't, I don't think until really recently for the vast majority of, say, policymakers and academics – did they think that like understanding and and digging into and picking apart these arguments and seeing the history behind these sort of topics and ideas? I don't really think anyone thought that was important outside of a couple of small you know, departments of like yeah. philosophy or sociology or whatever at, at some universities. You know, um, yeah. You know, like to, like ten years ago, if we said that like oh we did a we we investigate conspiracy theories and like you know, um, the paranormal and pseudoscience stuff from a scientific perspective, I think most people would have been like, that's insane. Why are you wasting your time with that? Today, people are like, oh, my God, yeah, you know, my uncle changed all the light bulbs in our house because he thinks that the, you know, whatever, they're they're changing him into a, an effeminate soy boy or whatever. You know, like, <laughs> today, it's affecting people. And so, you know, suddenly, it's it's an important thing. So, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, well, awesome all right, I got to jump in and talk course. now, Marie. Hold on now, hold yeah. on. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Chris made me feel all self-conscious. Well, the what I like about your show is you guys kind of come at things in a lot of ways the same way I do, even though uh, yeah. my show is more rooted in the paranormal. But it's like I kind of – just my perspective on all this is just like, look, we have to deal with the reality that we're all trying to share here. So it's like mm. that to me is sort of the, the guiding principle in a sense. So – some of these other programs, or people, I guess you could say, they live in a world where, like, this stuff that isn't part of the shared reality is part of their reality. So it's like there's aliens coming here. In their in their reality, there's aliens coming here. So it's like, look, we we have to we have to hold on to some kind of shared reality. So uh, until until it's we all agree there's aliens coming here. I just kind of put that to the side and say, well, people think maybe that's happening, but you know, we got to stick with what we know. Um, yeah, it's it's so a pragmatic that's kind approach. Of what I like about your show. Yeah, no, we. I mean, I, I totally agree. I can't speak for Marie, but I mean, yeah, like you know, it's it's a it's a. Right, totally... <laughs> Marie just thinks the aliens are here. I'm sorry to tell you. Um, no, no, it's it's a you know it's a it's the pragmatic approach, right? You know, like okay, I don't like chocolate. You don't like vanilla. Well, can we both agree that strawberry is terrible? You know, or <laughs> it's it's trying to find common ground and consensus to move forward in a way that's useful for the most people. I mean, it's such a it's kind of a skill that we've you know we've I think lost in a lot of ways because I think the stuff that we've been arguing about as a you know just kind of as a society and as a people, you know, we've we've really ratcheted up to eleven. You know, it's no longer like it's no longer that I disagree with you about politics or whatever. It's like you are a, you know, you're like a demon worshiping person who eats babies, and you are a, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you're like a mini, uh, 
what's the word? You're like an inquisitionist waiting to steal all my freedoms, you know? Like, it's, it's probably, there's probably a middle ground there where, like, you know, you, <laughs> it's probably like you grew up going to church. That, that, yeah. It's also an option, you know? Um, yeah. And I think with, the with the paranormal, it's, it's even harder sometimes. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Govern. I think the hardest thing to, you know, to remember is, like, behind, like, every person who's telling these things or, the, or believing these things, you know, the person who has come to that conclusion because of something, right? And a lot of times mm-hmm. with conspiracy theories or any kind of, any kind of thing that's sort of a, a fringe thinking, it is, it is prompted by some other event in their lives, right? Because everyone is susceptible to some type of conspiracy theory. No matter what your makeup is or your background is, you, you can believe in something that's sort of fringe. And there are different times that you're more susceptible to that. So I think that's a thing that we're trying to like, you know, I think throughout our episodes, we can be, we can be pretty harsh and we can be pretty tough on certain things. But I think we always come back to the fact that like, hey, you know, like there has to be some, to your point, Tim, there's got to be some sort of commonality. We have to be able to come back to something, even if we can't agree on a lot of other things. And that's where you, that's hopefully where we can start to get back to. It's like, all right, we we don't agree on the lizard people, but we can agree on the fact that, you know, clean water is important. Or we can agree on the fact that, hey, you know, our our, our kids deserve a better a better life or a better future than we might have had. And how do we go about looking at that and dealing with that and thinking about that? And I think that those are the things that are a little harder to remember when the rhetoric gets dialed up, like Chris was saying, but I think it's hopefully something that we can come back to, that we try to come back to at least. Yeah, we and we really try hard to we really try hard to say, you know, even if we don't believe something that someone else believes and we actually just touched on we just touched on this in our in our newest series. We're talking about, you know, ethics and um we did a whole a whole first episode for this new season on the kind of ethical fallacies around science and scientism. Like, you know, someone just because science says something is a certain way doesn't mean that it's ethical or it's it's necessary that we act that way, you know? And yeah. Yeah. we, so, you know, with the episode I think is titled, you know, should science tell us what to do or something? And it's, you know, you you can disagree on science and on policy and on whatever without being kind of ethically um, bad or good or whatever. And the same thing is true with the, you know, at the end of the day, it all comes down to these are these are people, you know. So if someone is – it's really easy to say that, you know, well, I don't believe in uh, – I don't believe in alien abduction because uh, all those people are crazy. That's really easy to say on a forum where you're not looking anybody in the eye and you, you're not seeing, like, a grown person sob about right. a terrible nightmare they've maybe had or whatever. Um you know, there's real people at the center of a lot of this, and even in the cases where maybe we think the people are acting immorally or badly or whatever, but, you know, they're still people and they're deserving of empathy and, you know, um, just don't just don't be a dick, you know? Like, that's, that's just what we should, We try really hard not to be dicks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally it's get that. It's always a battle. It's always an uphill thing. What did you say, Marie? I said it's always an uphill battle. 
It is these <laughs> ones and I feel bad. Never the nicest of times. You know, we're not exactly like I like to say, yeah, I might be an asshole, but I'm trying not to be a dick. Now Marie, yeah, I wanna I ask you this about the Unibomber <laughs> show and I I'm pretty sure we I was I remember this right, because it was a while ago when I heard it, but there was a moment in Ted Kaczynski's life where he could have he had the opportunity, let's say, to go to, I think, Berkeley to play music because he was super into music. Um, yeah. Or he could go to Harvard. Yeah. And you, yeah. you kind of suggested that that this was – that uh, it wouldn't really have made a difference on the, at the end of the day. And I feel like I kind of was like, no, Marie, no, because I think that was like the moment where I think if he had just gone off and become a musician – Kind of like we were joking about how we'd have a podcast now. Like maybe I just don't. I just don't think he would have become this mad bomber, anti-technology guy necessarily. It's, what do you, you think? know? It's well. I think it's. I think you bring up a really good point, and I think it's. It's something that I was because um, my dad. I recently, you know, my dad was looking for book recommendations, and I gave him kind of as a lark the this one on on Krasinski, and he was like, man. You know, he was blown away because he hadn't read very much about it. And he kind of was, like, talking about his early, like, sort of these, his formulative years with his parents. And, like, he could have, what would it have taken for him to have a different life, for him not to become what he was? And is it a question of, like, one pivotal moment in his life where he could have, and I want to say he, he, I I keep going back to Oberlin College. Like, I think it was, you know, Chris might check me on this. He could have, and it was a very young age. It was like 16. So he basically just rocketed through, you know, the stuff that, like, you know, literally took me forever to get through in high school and whatever. He didn't even really get through high Like, he just rocketed through high school. 16-year-old, and all of these colleges want, you know, he's, he's ready to go into them. He's a prodigy. He's a genius. And the thing he seemingly really wanted to do was go and play music it's like the oboe or the bassoon or something. The trombone. Some instrument that it was that he was really, you know, invested in, in wanting to play music at some school. And his parents were very adamant about him going on to, um, to, to Harvard. And it's one of those things where it's like, well, was that a differentiation? Like, if he would have done this, could he have had a different life? Or is, it, is that almost too... I kind of feel like that's one point in his life that could have made a difference. But there were several others, like his parents didn't have to be so hard on him. His, you know, he didn't have to, you know, he, maybe there were some other outlets that when he actually um, went to school, he could have, you know, he could have chosen a different a different path when he was in school. He could have, you know, and it's, it, it almost gets to this nature versus nurture thing, which is really impossible to disseminate. But I yeah. do think, I do think it does. It, there is like a few forks in the road that, on a, one level, you look at them and you're like, "Yeah, man, he was always going to err to the side of of being a Unabomber." But I, you just you just don't know if that was who yeah. he was, because he was almost so alien in his intelligence that I don't know if he ever would have been able to be something besides a outlier in looking at humanity. There's, Do you know I what I mean? It's like, I feel like, yeah. yeah. I think there's a part of it that, 
Like obviously, it's it's it, it ultimately it comes down to nature versus nurture, you know. But I also think it kind of comes down to like the degree with which, like obviously Ted Kaczynski ended up, like he's an outlier. You know what I mean? He's an extreme yeah. case, and so it's hard to know if you know. Like here's so the the school he wanted to go to, if I remember correctly, was Berkeley College of Music, which is in Boston still. It's right. in Boston. So it's, yeah. it's like it's yeah. it's like down the road from Harvard. It's like not far at all. You know what I mean? It's definitely within walking distance. It's a bit of a walk, but it's within walking distance. Is it so? And I mean, again, this kind of gets into you know what ifs and whatever. But I mean, the 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 psychologist that's that looked for him and the psychologist that kind of sought him out, like you know he. He wasn't sought out per se. He applied to be in this program, but he also made kind of the perfect MK. He was the perfect person to take advantage of and use for a program like this. You know, he's 16. Like Marie said, he's like an alien living in our world almost. Right. You know, imagine being so smart. You're 16 years old. You get accepted into, like, the best college for music in the country and also the best school just generally in the country. And, you know, you your entire life is built around kind of books and mathematics and, and uh, rigor and everything else. And you're dropped into this you're, – you're, again, he's going to college in the 60s too. You know, that's another thing we kind of, like, gloss over, but, you know – He's he's really going through a lot of weird stuff really quickly, and he's yeah. just not you know he's he's hardly got you know hair on his chest you know so um, I think that I I kind of agree with Marie in that I think he would have been taken advantage of by someone for sure, and so I don't know if he would have become a Unabomber necessarily, but I do think his life would have ended tragically. You know, like I don't I don't think that he was sense. given yeah. the yeah, you know, yeah. like it's again, it's sort of a it's a difference of degrees, right? It's like you know, are you gonna, I don't know, is, your, is the plane gonna explode or are you just gonna, you know, I don't know, knock your head and you know fall over? Like it's, you know, I think <laughs> in either case, in either case, again, you know, he he was already kind of a piece of crap before he went to Harvard too, you know, like like, <laughs> like yeah. that's the other he thing. He was he wasn't he like he, people as people. Right? No, he, he wasn't have, like a he wasn't a benevolent he, have, he wasn't a benevolent space brother. Yeah. No, he wasn't even but I don't even think he was like forget that, I don't even think he was like um I don't even think he was I, I think he was definitely a sociopath. Like there was definitely things that in him that were just not there. Like he couldn't recognize human emotion or necessarily or, or he, he couldn't register the value of other people. Right, and so it's like I I think if you take that and you take someone who is emotionally, you know, and physically and just everything immature, like a sixteen year old, and you and basically thrust them into a university, I I think that it is it is definitely not a good combination across the board. He he was to me, it's like he's he's just an alien. He's just something that is not able to comprehend. Um able to comprehend anything. I mean, he wanted to blow up airplanes because they made noise going over his cabin. Right. You know? Yeah, that, like, that's what I was going to mention, too. Like, that's, like, how, like, that's how far out. He, he's like, I want to swat that fly that's, <laughs> me, that's bothering me. It doesn't matter if it's filled yeah. with people. It's loud, and it bugs me. I mean, that's... And, like, and, and number two, he... Register. 
and remember too, he he chose he chose professors as his targets because he felt like professors had sort of wronged him when he was in school. You know? Yes. So that's the other thing too. Like, okay, yeah, maybe he doesn't become the Unabomber. He doesn't attack, like, you know, he doesn't shoot up or bomb, um, you know, a university or whatever, but Ted Kaczynski going off and, I don't know, getting fired from his first uh, teaching job at an elementary school and then deciding he's going to shoot up elementary school teachers. You know, like that – that's the that's the thing. It's sort of the it's like the snap judgment or the snap reaction, I guess, to say or it's not really a snap judgment, but there's there's certain lines that most people wouldn't cross. You know what I mean? Regardless of your upbringing or or whatever. Yeah. And well, he just kind of never he just kind of never had those. Right. Yeah. There's two points there. Yeah. Where it's kind of like you and I'll, I'm gonna let you jump in here, Mary, after this. But there's two um, ideas here where it's like, yeah, he could have. Maybe he would have gone off and been a musician if he had taken that path. But he could have ended up being like Ted Kaczynski, the fucking serial killer trombonist. And it would have been exactly. like, oh, it turns yeah. out, you know, it's a, that guy, that fuck, you know that guy, the trombonist? Yeah, he's been murdering prostitutes for like five, ten years, and they just caught him or whatever. So it's like, you know, something would have maybe caused him to go over what kind of what you're saying. I was thinking to myself as we were talking about this, uh, Chris, where it's like I, I'm sure someone kind of – pose this question to me, you want to be like, dude, what's with the bombs? Like, what makes you think this is a good fucking idea? Yeah. Like, you're you're a genius. You're like a genius, and you have good ideas about technology and shit in a way, but like, you're, this, is the, this is the stupidest fucking thing, you know, and, more, and morally reprehensible. Like, no, I get that you don't, uh, you know, I get that you don't see people as anything other than ants beneath your feet, but like, still, dude, don't you understand that you're an idiot for fucking doing it this way in the first place. So Yeah, like very ants made you interesting ants made you so mad that you fell in the river, you idiot. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's it's you know, um well it's interesting. We talk we do talk about it a little bit on the episode and we didn't we didn't get like deep deep into it because again, we're not psychologists. You know what I mean? But um but we, we talked thank, thank God. because um, it'd be yeah, thank God we're not psychologists. But they're um <laughs> There is like kind of a there's a pattern in a, a psychology to bombers, you know, to people who decide to become to become people who leave bombs behind and everything else. And you can, I mean, you can kind of think about it like it's sort of armchair psychology, right? But you know, a bomb is kind of a very impersonal way of killing somebody. You know, um, it yeah, feels so kind of impersonal. Chris, say that so again. Nashville, Marie? Nashville was Nashville bomber was yeah. totally different. That's well, what's weird that, about that one. You know what's interesting is we I mean we actually it's funny, we talk about we have an episode on profilers too, because that's all pseudoscientific ridiculousness. Um but you know, it's I guess it sort of really depends because at the same time I'm thinking to myself, you know, on the one hand you think of a bomb as being very um as being very unemotional and kind of separated. But at the same time, think about how much time it takes to like meticulously lovingly make a bomb. You know what yeah. I mean? Like this, you know, it's he's he's crafting something for somebody. So clearly, this means a huge amount to him, um, in some for some way. But at the end of, at the end yeah. of the day, regardless of kind of I guess why he does it, I think the more interesting thing is you know, at least I guess if I got to ask him something, I really think the main thing I would ask him is you know, do do you think like do you recognize that it was pride that led you to led you to fail? 
you know, because at the end of the day, it was his, it was really his, you know, we all, like, I, we all have that person in our life who makes a point to, like, do something or say something to be different than everyone else, right? Like, you know, I'm thinking, yeah. like, the guy who, um, you know, the guy who wears a beret or, like, you know what I mean? <laughs> okay, yeah, all right. You know, uh, we all know, you know that guy that wears a beret, yeah. And he, he was, well, he was that guy, though. You know, he, like, he went out of his way to be, like, purposefully obstinate and just kind of a jerk. So, like, you know, when he, when he would use a phrase, he would he would purposely go back and use, like, the archaic version of the phrase. And, you know, that's what got him caught, right, was um, have your cake and eat it. You know, or, or eat your cake and have it, too, is uh, the, the, the common thing, right, is have your cake. Yeah. Have your cake and eat it too, but the the proper way is eat your cake and have it, you know. And that was his life. And you give him too much sample. You give him too big a sample size to work with. In your head, you can think like as he's writing that, and every time he says it, he gets a little thrill. And you know, why why do you say it that way? And he goes, oh well, no, actually, the real way to say it and the right way is this. This is the history. Oh "Oh, my god, shut up, dude. You know, um, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's just, inter- you know, it's, it's so interesting that it's really, it's, it's, you know, for most, for most people that like true crime shows follow and talk about it, whatever, it's usually like, it's usually lust that gets them. You know what I mean? It's, um, or money. It's something like that, but, or money, but for Kaczynski, it was pride. It was just pure pride. He no. could have gotten away with it, but he was just too much of a, of a dick. You know, don't be a dick. Well, he's a very, he's caught. <laughs> It's a very, very unique case. Very, I think that's yes. uh, like Murray was saying earlier. It's like you almost kind of stop yourself because you don't want to be like uh, uh, really a fan of the <laughs> fan of the Unabomber. But it's like it, I'm a fan of the Unabomber case because it's so fucking weird and it's like yeah. so Shakespearean. Um, it really is. Uh, it's not just some 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 guy like sent, sending bombs and shit. It's like this guy who has this complex backstory and winds up in the fucking woods and his brother like turns him in. It's like, that, you know, that's just, that's beyond, that's in addition to him sending bombs to people. So it's like, this is a, yeah. a wild story. Now, Marie, you mentioned the Nashville yeah. bomber. You've been interested in this case lately. So, oh, uh, yeah. what, what piece are you interested about? Like... Before I tell you though, before, before I let you go, uh, <laughs> I was in Nashville in October and I visited the site of the, bombing and uh it's all fenced up so you can't go in um but you can kind of go around enough to like look and see and the creepiest part was because it was on the day after christmas uh the sh- all mm-hmm. the stuff is like still it was october uh but it was like all the all the christmas decorations mm-hmm. were still up behind the fence like it had been untouched since the bomb went off so it was like oh that's spooky because you look and there's like a wreath with the christmas lights on it and shit and the bow and it's like oh this is kind of creepy so but now tell me about your interest in this in this nashville bomber guy i think you know just to just to close on kaczynski i think it's it was what's more interesting or as interesting to me is that you 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 find this sort of pathos and then saying hey if if he only right so it's sort of like you register this emotion or this the the idea of a choice or uh, the idea of empathy like if he could have just done this he might not have done that right and you're like I'm, what frustrates me is like why the hell did you have to do that and I think that what's weird is or not 
not weird, but what's what's what would be weird to Kaczynski is like that that wasn't like I don't even think he has that language. Like he doesn't even have the same operating system as us. But then yeah. you look mm-hmm. at somebody like the Nashville Bomber, and the Nashville Bomber was really different to me in a way when I saw it because he decided to go with something that was, you know, every every bit is every bit is you know textbook as your serial bombers, and that I'm going to put something into a hugely populated area, and I, I want like hypothetically mass you know mass casualties. I want big noise mass casualties it's going to be on the news. And he gives them all warnings, right? He, like, gives them plenty of time to evacuate and then blows himself up, which is this real counter to kind of all of, you know, any other kind of large bombing event that you've seen. Um, You know, you you didn't even, like, look at, like, sort of the personalities at Ruby Ridge or Waco or, like, the mentality behind kind of, you know, what what we have to do to make a point. You have to, you know, you have to make a point by taking lives, or you look at um, Oklahoma, the Oklahoma bombing, which again is the same thing. I'm going to, I'm going to take out a very public place and I'm going to make a, as big of a, a, as big of an impact and as big of a body count as I possibly can. And then you have this guy playing Petula Clark downtown, <laughs> waking people up in the middle of the night to get them out of there to blow it up. And to me, it's like, there's just something still really weird about that, that I don't think that they've ever fully resolved. Like, why did he do that? Like, why not just go down and, and, you know, and, and it it was his target, even the AT&T building. They've never even really established like, why is there, why him? Why would you do that? Like there's, there hasn't been much follow up to it. So to me, it's just sort of this, I was watching it on the news, and I'm like, it's just so weird. Like, it's such an anomaly when you look at kind of all of the other, you know, kind of famous big, um, you know, kind of the 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 the, the recipe of doing this and doing this successfully and getting in the news and and you know being the Krasinski-esque bomber. That was not that wasn't any of this. So that to me is just sort of fascinating because I think he's, you know, I don't know anything about it. Like I haven't really, um, you know, I've got some Freedom of Information Act um, requests in, you know, that have been very slow going into into Tennessee. But it's like, man, that would be really interesting to kind of to kind of figure out and to to dig into more. And like, who was this guy? Why was it really, you know, the you know, the G five, or what what was up with that? I'm always fascinated by how he. Uh, left like a house or something to some random woman in California. I feel like there's so much there right. that needs to be right? uh, unraveled. You want to talk about Shakespeare? Like you got some weird, like kind of epic kind of storytelling happening. Did, was it a kid? Did he, you know, what was this? Was this about? And then well, left, you know, he left her two houses with the cloud. Huh? What's that? He left her a house before, years before too. He gave her a house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the same yeah, it wasn't he gave her, right when he, he did died. The quit, he did yeah. whatever the deed, the, the way that he transferred the deed to her, he sold her the house for like zero dollars. Uh, he seized her. He did the house once, another house before this, and then right before the bombing, did a different one. Um, it's yeah, it's interesting. What one of the most I think, that, especially with this one, at least I, I don't know. I've I've looked into it a little bit since Marie is interested in it. 
Um, I think one of the most interesting things is the fact that he, like the the FBI basically is saying that well he did it because he was suicidal, you know. Mm-hmm. But does that I don't know does that really make a lot of sense? You know what I mean? Like I I don't know I I, I don't know I guess enough about it, but it just seems like a weird seems like a very easy answer. You know what I mean? Um, this just raises a lot of questions. It's like yeah. if you're suicidal, then you don't. I mean, you can. It, that is a pathology to do something like that. But a bomb of that size and of that nature, you mean to you mean to kill people? You mean to take out? You mean to take out something? Right? Like, and that's just not what he did. He he made a conscious effort not to do that, which is really strange with that mm. other pathology. Right, and just to say that he was suicidal is kind of like. <sighs> Okay, but lots of people are suicidal and, and, you know, kill themselves all the time. And people shouldn't do that. I don't have the number, but, you know, don't do it. Um, but, like, to do it that, it's like, it's, it's like, okay, we get that he was suicidal. He killed himself. Like, but why the hell did he do it that way? That's the, that's the, that's the mystery of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in, in that place, with that method, you know, I think that there's, I think that there's definitely like a whole thing that hasn't been hasn't been figured out or, or relayed to the public about that because there's just there's just way too many interesting things that you know that piqued my interest in just seeing it and I mean I I, I never have seen the actual site but you know I immediately Google mapped it and I'm like oh it's a one way street so it's sort of like you know then you start to think well like did he you know he parked here did he mean to park there is it just all of a convenience because of, you know, AT&T and all of sort of this rumor-mongering. And, you know, then there's, you know, what the, the social media presence and what was that saying. And I think, you know, again, like in the root of it, there's probably a story of like of a person it, and what they were going through at the time, the decisions that they made, which would really be interesting to learn more about. It's funny, though. I think it, it like it's, I think it'd be really easy if you just switched over to listen to us. I think it'd be really easy to think or hear in what we're saying kind of like pre-conspiracy thoughts, right? Like, oh, this doesn't add up, and what was he What was he really doing it for, and whatever. <laughs> and we actually we actually literally are about to release an episode on kind of conspiracy thought around the Denver International Airport, and we kind of do a – we're kind of using a story that we, we know a lot about and the listeners already know quite a bit about to kind of dig into – deeper kind of ideas and stories about conspiracy theory and how they grow and some of the thoughts around them, like academically and all this other stuff. But what I think is really interesting is, you know, at the end of the day, like the most likely explanation is that the guy was just sort of a piece of crap who hated AT&T. Right. Like, like you know, yeah. that, that is a completely viable option and um, probably is what is true, you know, but it, but still the, I guess I guess I just kind of want to reiterate to like the part of it that's interesting is the human element to it, you know? Right. Like what? Yeah. Like okay, that guy could be a piece of crap and whatever, and so you know, pieces of crap decided to do crappy things. That's not really a, a news story, but like what drove him to do that? You know, clearly AT and T, his family seems to have had history with. He worked there previously and had a, a vendetta against them or whatever. Like, there's more to that part of the story that's very interesting. And I think at the end of the day, and actually it's funny, Marie and I, I was just listening back to the episode because we do like a spot check before we release, um, you know, for any like 
errant, uh, I don't know, uh, whatever, weird, <laughs> I don't know. We just always listen to like, quality control or whatever, right? But so we, I was listening back to the episode as I was playing uh, video games this afternoon, and um, one of the things that we touch on is this idea of, this idea of could, if, if this guy, if, we had, if there had been an intervention in this person's life earlier, um, could you have stopped them? And it gets back to what we were talking about with Kaczynski, too. You know, we, I think a lot of us like to think that if we, I think for a lot of people, they get interested, interested in stories about people like, say, Ted Kaczynski or serial killers or just true crime in general because it's the background, the people, like, they're just real people. And they're living True. in towns like you live in. And, you know, you can see, like, people that you know. You know, like, Ted Kaczynski, like, I uh, personally feel like I have – I feel like if, if in, in, in another life we may have had a lot in common. Do you know what I mean? If he had not gone down this kind of route that he went down. And yeah. so it's it's hard not to, I guess, sort of personalize the, the people and everything else. And part of what you do with that then is think to yourself, you know, well, what – what? Why am I not that way? Like, why am I not the kind of person that would do something terrible like this? You know, and you yeah. think to yourself, like, well, could there could there be things that could have been done for this person to make them change and everything else? I think at the end of the day, that's kind of what we're all we're all looking for. And again, it's it it's, it that is like the root that is the root good value that kind of I think starts for a lot of these cases, sort of conspiracy theory, because. We we all want to as much as this person is like a monster for doing what they did and terrible and whatever you know monster even is too strong a word they're they're bad people or they're people who chose a bad thing to do but I think all of us want to think that people aren't bad right like no one is born monstrous or evil or whatever they they become that way through you know abuse or trauma or whatever and so. There must have been something we could do to stop them from from acting this way, but sometimes, man, like like this guy, again, it could just be he was, you know. Sometimes you just got to get out of the way of the oncoming train, you know. Yeah, um, there's I like would, nothing I you can do. Even, I would even kind of add to that and say, first of all, we don't do quality checks, okay? <laughs> so that's <laughs> it. but second of all, I think the question is even that's even that I think resonates even more is like, are there bad people out there making bad choices? But like, could I be that bad? Could there mm-hmm. be a situation that I put myself in, that, that I come into contact with that I become the thing that, you know, that, that I think is monstrous. And that yeah. to me is like kind of what resonates with this stuff more. Cause like you said, like, you know, in a different world, you and Kaczynski, you know, he, he would have been, he would have been your peer at school or he would have been, you know, he would have been uh, working with you on some project. Well, in a different world, you would have been in. You wouldn't have been in the cabin. You know, in a different world, like you could have. That could have been you, or that could have been. And I think you know, not this world, thankfully. But I think that that's the thing. I'm one bad, one bad whopper away. One, but one, that is the thing one bad whopper. Yeah. That, but I think that that's true. One bad whopper away. But I think that that's the truth that kind of scares everybody. It's just like it's in yeah. there somewhere. What does that look like, and how close do I want to look at that? And that's kind of like with true crime or with any of these things, it's a little scary. That's the kind of stuff that I think that really is what 
grounds people to it. It's not so much that they're ghouls that they like to look at, and then it's an interesting thing to kind of examine, but it's it's almost more like I would sooner examine that than, than look in a mirror and examine me. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that was good. Um, wow. That's why um, like, we other light like I said, we do a lot of fart jokes. There's a lot of fart jokes. We do a lot of pop culture references. <laughs> Lots of pop culture references. That's what I like about, yeah. Well, like Christmas Day, you guys do. don't take yourself too seriously. Um, I do, I, I, some, I'll some. i shout out some favorite episodes, and then we'll uh, we'll see what we can pivot into. But uh, the John the, the John Malog, Malogna saga, I had forgotten about that one until I was going through the archives, and I'm like, oh, shit, that's that guy with the crazy lady who was talking to aliens. It's a whole, like, five-part... <laughs> Epic. That's just absolutely uh, astounding. That's right. Dude, it is such a good. It is such a good episode. <laughs> so good. I feel like somewhere in that episode, we both realized that maybe we've been had by the book. You know, we were both like, "Shit, maybe this guy's just a total fraud, motherfucker." Yeah, yeah. And my favorite thing about my favorite thing about that one still definitely is the fact that like, so the I I think Tim, we've talked about this maybe off air. We talk about all the episode too, though. The way, like, the way Scott got introduced to that book was, I was visiting. Um, I so my 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 now wife, my then girlfriend, her family has a uh, like a uh, a house in New Hampshire, in the town where Maloney lived. And so when um, when I visited there for like the first or second time, maybe you know, her family, like, you know, like with all like new boyfriends or new friends or whatever, you learn like one thing about them. Right. And so for Katie's family, the thing, the thing about me that they learned was, Oh, Chris, like the alien stories, you know, like weird, weird books and whatever. And so the grandma was like, Oh, have I got a great book for you. And so she brings this out and she's like, this guy lives right down the hill from us. You know, uh, you got to read this book. It's really crazy. We go to the McDonald's all the time that he thinks he catches the aliens in, and like it's like well, it's a lot of fun, you know. And um, <laughs> and I honestly, honestly, like I, it is I, a lot read, of fun. I read it. It's a hell of a lot of fun, man. I read it and uh, just really kind of never gave it much thought afterwards. You know, I was like, oh, I'll read this book, and it's kind of crazy, and, and but, you know, it's fun. I'm having a good time, right? Nothing else. Um, man, it is just intense and crazy. And like the more, when we were doing this series for it, I actually was living in, in the house, which is again on the hill where like, um, we start off the series by talking about when I was reading the book and I, again, was living there during grad school in in this house in New Hampshire, the neighbor down the hill was really excited and was like, you know, oh, I met, you know, I, I used to know Maloney and, you know, we, um, what's the word, you know, he, he was talking about how, you know, his dad had seen a UFO on the hill, and, you know, he thought he really thinks there's something to all this and everything else and whatever, and so it kind of, like, it suddenly became not just this, you know, this one crazy guy's story, but it became like, you know, I don't know, Your just, story. it's really taken, yeah, it's really <laughs> taken on a lot, a lot more to me, I guess, than just this guy with a funny name that sounds like baloney. Um, you know, going to Arizona with his new hippie girlfriend and getting chased by the FBI. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a much more personal story for me now, I guess. 
Yeah, that's a that's a great. Uh, what's the? Do we have the name of the? You know the name of the book off the top of your head, so people can know a little bit of what we're yeah, talking it's, about. Um, it's in the yeah, the book is show. called the the book is called. Um, oh my God, what is the book Snap, called? I'm trying to find it's, the book. It's uh, Alien Odyssey. Uh, Alien Odyssey by John M. Maloney. It is. Uh, it was self-published in Claremont, New Hampshire, uh, which is the town where where Mr. Maloney lived with his alien girlfriend. Um, Shout out and uh, and yeah, it's a good time, man. When we um, again, like so, when I was when we were researching for the episode, I reached out to people in like the local Facebook group, you know, like you do. And I was like, you know, did anyone know? Did anyone know this guy? Did anyone ever see a UFO in the town? Because you know, I'm, I'm at the same time, like you know, my neighbor is telling me, like you know, oh no, there was a there was a mass sighting up the hill and at a school and all this other stuff, you know, and um, trying to find out more stuff and just, again, kind of got all these funny stories about this, about this kind of kooky old man and his, uh, and yeah, his crystal healing girlfriend. It was a good time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's one of those things that reads like, the whole thing unfolds like a movie. It's, uh, it's pretty crazy. We gotta spread this stuff around. Let's put it on the internet. You're listening to Banal of America Audio. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? Now, I guess before talking UFOs, what, I, what, I always was sort of, what I've been interested in, because I am a fan of the show, and I see Chris mixed up in UFOs a lot on social media, but Marie is kind of doesn't, she's, <laughs> she's not a, she, Chris is becoming sort of a, a character in UFO world, which I'm trying to <laughs> advise you against. But Marie, Marie, I just I always kind of wonder. Like I see Chris is like he'll be chiming in on UFOs or going on some other show, and and I'm like, does Marie know you're doing this? Does Marie know you're mixed up with these people, Chris? Like I always feel like it's like this like secret double life of 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 the show of the show because it never seems to kind of come up that that Chris is ma- is moonlighting as a as a UFO as a UFO character. So what, what, I guess what's your Marie? What's your take on? Not so much that I'm kind of but just busting Chris's chops, but I guess this this crazy scene that that uh, that, uh, that you know your buddy Cogs kind of uh, dips his toe in from now and again. Well, first of all, <laughs> gets the show in now and again. Well, first of all, like I gotta say, you know, and, and this isn't this isn't um, this isn't blowing sunshine up Chris's ass, but he is like he is one of the smartest guys that I've I've met. Like he is legit smart. And so when he applies his knowledge to something or when he is, like, questioning something, you know, I'm like, oh, I, you know, I pay attention to it. Because, again, like, I think he, he thinks about things in a certain way. He asks questions, and he's really smart about stuff. Um, and he's got this interest in UFOs. So I think whenever he's gone into some kind of, you know, subgenre within the UFO community or has been, you know, trying to, you know, work within that, I've always felt like, well, he's he's taking his scientific knowledge, he's taking who he is as a person and as a scientist, and trying to apply that to find out what the hell's really going on. Like, it, do I, Marie Mayhew, you know, what do I think about UFOs or what do I know about them? Like, I don't know, man. Maybe weirder things have happened, um, but I think that you really have to be. Um, you have to be able to think about things and 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 engage people in a certain way to find out what's really happening. And I think that that's 
again, like the people that he's come into contact with or that we've come into contact with or that we've done episodes on around UFOs, again, like Robert Bigelow, to me are, are almost more fascinating than the idea of extraterrestrials. Because it's right, like, right. man, you have these people who are hugely invested in this idea or these organizations that, are, that carry so much other baggage with them um, or believe in certain things and, you know, and get in their own way with this stuff sometimes. What's, what's up with that? Um, but Cogs, it's like, anytime that Cogs, first of all, I've got his back. I'm his, I'm his day <laughs> uh, to the silent Bob that is Cog. So I am going to get his back no matter what, whatever Twitter fight with any kind of wackadoodle <laughs> he's going to find, I'm going to get his back on it. But um, I think that, you know, he always is thinking about that stuff and he's always, you know, it, what's interesting is it's like, you know, uh, I, like I said, I've never seen one cause maybe, you know, perhaps, right? And, like, we're both like, man, that would be cool. Like, I wonder what's up there. I wonder what's going on with that. But yeah. it's sort of like we, we've, never, we've never dismissed it or dismissed people that have had that experience. But at the same time, you know, I can say I haven't. And maybe that's maybe that's why I'm in the position I'm in about talking about it, not experiencing it. I don't know. It yeah. is it is it is fascinating. And then I just kind of giggle because I'm like, oh, dang it! There he goes. He's on. He's you know, he's put up some diatribe on on Twitter. I will I, I will gonna, say. Like, like um, he loves to say we're going to get killed in the comments, but that's cool. Yeah, I will. <laughs> that's that's the that's the one area where we yeah we. Uh, it's funny. You can always tell when you can always tell when something I said on Twitter isn't popular because the uh, <laughs> the show will suddenly get a rash of one star reviews. Like I just don't like this guy's attitude. You know, <laughs> like, all right, all right, man. I I get it. Like I, you know, I didn't. I said I didn't think that a little goatee was a good look. I understand. All right, I understand why you're not happy with me right now. It's fine. Um, I will. I will say that every any time. Yeah, no, I mean, I will say that any time anytime that I've, I guess, decided to get more involved or less involved or whatever, you know, the one of the first people I talked to is I talked to my wife about it, I talked to Marie. You know I mean, and usually the first thing my wife asks me is, what does Marie think? Um, you know, because, I mean, it's really like it's a, you know, it's a weird, uh, it's just a weird kind of field of, of, it's a weird field to be, even just tangentially related to, you know, I mean, I, I don't really consider myself to be like, I, I guess I would, I guess I consider myself almost more to be like a, uh, I don't know, an outside figure, I guess. And maybe that's hopeful on my part to say that I'm outside of the fray at this point still, but you know, um, it's, it's one of those weird things where, you know, I think you yourself can, you don't really get to decide what you're, uh, you don't really get to decide in, in the area of like UFO stuff, how people see you anymore. You know what I mean? Like it's not, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you know, like, like it, it's such a weird thing because it's such a, um, it sounds crazy to even talk about how like it's, uh, it's like, it's like the dumbest B level fame ever. It's like it's like having a group of like three thousand people really intensely interested in what you say at all times. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and you up all famous. <laughs> you know, it's like it's enough of a it's enough I think of a taste of like that kind of level of like notoriety or importance or whatever that you're like, man, 
I write one dumb tweet and I've got like a hundred people on Twitter retweeting it and being like, screw this guy. He doesn't know whatever. And there's people like, you know, troll farms getting ready to come after us and whatever. That is, that is intense and kind of crazy, you know? And yeah. it's, um, but again, like you, you have no control over that. You know what I mean? So it's sort of right, a weird, right. like, you know, you wonder, I guess a lot of the times when people, um, you know, I'll do like talks, or interviews on this stuff or whatever, and people are like, well, what what, what is the incentive for, like, somebody to uh, to lie about this stuff? And it's like, I don't man, not have the mob come after you because you're, like, suddenly person, you know, the the, the, mo- the, the enemy of UFO world. Like, you know, it sounds silly, but, like, you know, you your entire community starts um, – and, again, it's not even my damn community, you know, but suddenly, like, this group of people – who used to really support you start coming after you because you disagree with them. Like you're going to find a way to agree with them. I think most people would. (laughs) I I will say this. I I will say like when, and if Chris ever says, Hey, you know what? I believe this. And here's why the fucking aliens exist. Like then, (laughs) then there's no, to me, there's no, there's no gray area. (laughs) I see where you're getting that. All right. For him to be like, yeah, these fucking things are real, then they have shown up at his house and they have been like, okay, I'm going to change into a fish. I'm going to change into a bird. I'm a jar of jam. What? I'm a book. Whatever it's going to take (laughs) for them to convince him in alien life, he's going to be convinced. And then I'm going to be like, yeah, you know what? You people out there that have been bitching about stuff, you should probably be convinced at this point, too, because it's conclusive. And that's what he's like... Yeah, that that raises an interesting point. Just pivot off of this in a sense, but also would stay within the realm of uh, UFOs. It's like a lot of what a lot of what some of these people who claim they have secrets uh, say is it's often stuff they've just been told, and and it's mm-hmm. like that they've been told by a it's a, like an appeal. What is that? Like an appeal to authority or something? Uh, you it's know, it's like they, yeah. yeah. And it's like, well, this guy in the CIA took me aside and said this, and it's like they've then that then they are an absolute believer and stuff. It's like, I would love to know. I don't I don't think anyone who claims that they know anything, any insights, who has actually actually seen anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't think they ever actually have seen a fucking alien. It's just like I was told. Well, we've been told. You know, this guy took me aside and said this, and you know, we. I can't tell you what it is, but. There's a lot of that, and uh, and not a lot of uh, people, I don't think, that have actually seen an alien. You know, I'm talking about, like, yeah, quote-unquote insiders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, you'd think, you would think at this point that, like, after, you know, I mean, I I remember being at school and having kids tell me that, like, you know, their uncle works for Nintendo, right? <laughs> and, like, no, he doesn't. Like, no, I'm no, I'm telling you, man, there's going to be a blue Pikachu. It's called Pikachu Blue. You know, like, that... Um, <laughs> That's like the, it's Shut the up, same man. thing. I'm still yeah. waiting for Pika Blue. It's, it's, it's literally, it's, but it really is. It's the same thing, you know? And we, again, touch on it a lot in the show that, you know, conspiracy theory and all of these sorts of stories like this, they spread in really well-trod um, ways. Like the mechanisms that they use to get around are pretty common. And so that that idea of like the appeal to authority and the appeal to like no, but just trust me and like a spreading a story through like a trusted person um 
it's really important. It's like more important than what you say even. You know, I mean, we we know that now with even the um we know it now. We see it now even with the pandemic that, you know, if it doesn't really matter if it doesn't really matter what the science data tells you. What matters is who's telling you, right? So it's like if a family doctor is asking you to get vaccinated and explaining to you why it's important, you are more likely to trust them than if like a random nameless person on TV is talking down to you about it, you know? And so yeah. it's, it's kind of a similar thing. Like, you know, if, um, you know, it, it, again, like there, there's no way that any of those people have seen anything and, the best way to know that they haven't seen anything is that they are still talking about it. You know, like it's, it's not, you know, and that's the, that's something I do think is very, very interesting. You know, I mean, the more, the older I've gotten, the more I've been kind of involved in any of these fields of like, you know, conspiracy, pseudoscience, whatever, um, you know, light is the best disinfectant. And so, you know, if, um, if those like people or those figures want to be taken seriously as like government insiders or um, people that people should trust uh, with information like this or whatever, they kind of, you know, you need to put up or shut up eventually. And I think for a lot of people like UFOs are an interesting thing that a lot of people kind of partially believe in. But I, I think again, like the, um, the sort of rabid, like, online talk about them that we see. And it's not everywhere. I mean, you know, I know a lot of people that think about UFOs and talk about them, and it's great. It's a lot of fun talking to them, you know? But I think the kind of, like, you know, uh, I think the sort of semi-radical, like, online bubble that we see, yeah, is um, it is a lot more, uh, it's a lot more of a, what's the word, I guess I'd say, not bubble, but, like, it's more of an echo chamber, but I think they realize, you know, they think that, like, the the stories on TV or whatever are really, are really significantly moving the needle. And, for example, like, the evidence they used to point out that it's moving the needle is, like, oh, you know, the, look at, like, the, look at, like, you know, all the Galileo Project is real scientists studying this stuff, and then the Galileo Project hires, like, the same UFO talking heads as everywhere else. Yeah, and it's like, oh, is it is it new people then, or is it like the same people that have just kind of like gotten to like one new person, and now is leveraging that person's credentials for their own gain, you know? Um, and I mean, part of that it's like that's just how you grow a movement, right? So like, part of it that's just the way that those things happen. Yeah, it's just the way you make money, it's the way you make connections. But at the same time, it is an interesting thing, you know. It's it's a um, like a lot of fabricated controversies or a lot of fabricated stories in many ways, you know, it, it, there's like a, like a couple people with really dedicated social media work can change a lot of information very quickly, very easily. You know, there's a reason that like, you know, 20 guys in a basement in St. Petersburg um, are basically able to like change the tide right now for Ukraine. You know what I mean? Because they're able to like, sh you know, send the right or the wrong propaganda out. Like it's yeah, propaganda is powerful, man. Like we don't we act like it isn't, but propaganda is powerful, and humans have never been able to send out their own propaganda before in this same kind of way as social media. You know? Yeah, this social um, media has changed a whole bunch of yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy. whole bunch of stuff. You know, 
I think I think like the honestly it's crazy, but like I, I don't know if you get this in like the world of like, you know, internet, like radio or whatever, but like in the podcasting realm, um the I think honestly the biggest like example of this and honestly it, it kinda comes down to again a lot of these a lot of these UFO people, like someone they I think they, they follow very closely, even if they may not you know, agree with every crazy thing the person said. But like L. Ron Hubbard, right? Like fake it till you make it. Um, that kind of idea of, you know, the narrative is more important than the truth, right? Like, you know, yeah. just saying you're successful is enough to make you seem successful. You know, go on to a Facebook group about like podcasting, and every day there's somebody like, well, how do I get to a thousand listeners or whatever. And there is a no-name person being like, I'm a podcast consultant. I'll get you to a 1,000 listeners. <laughs> you know, that's like, it, you know, people are trying to scam you all the damn time, man. Like, it's not just in yeah, a, the world of UFOs so or the paranormal or whatever. Yeah. People, so much of like, it's, it's, about, it's, it's about exactly. <laughs> being able to make a dime off of it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. I, yeah. I do ask Marie if I should. Yeah. <laughs> 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 And I'm, 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 and yeah, I'm just like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I, I, I didn't want to get too deep into the, into the, yeah, exactly. Well, that's why, that's why, that's why I keep an eye on you in the, in the UFO realm, dogs. Yeah, yeah. You gotta, uh, as I, 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 my only word of caution is that, uh, I always say, if you, Get mixed up in the UFO circus. After a while, you just end up as one of the clowns. So it, it just seems like yeah. everybody who, you know, everybody true. Gets, makes it like they're full-time, I'm a UFO expert kind of thing. Um, now, you guys did a show on time travel. I, I, go ahead, Marie. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. All right. <laughs> I'm trying to – I'm not the greatest at these three guest shows, but I have two guests and me, so uh, I try my best. And we have a little crosstalk, but I think we're doing all right uh, with Marie's phone. Oh, we're doing great. Um, I, think we're, I think we're doing great. We're doing awesome. So the – you guys did a show on time travel. Now, the, the, I, I, I do kind of uh, – like Marie was joking about uh, the – where I was giving Marie grief about the thing where it's like sort of stoner questions. But, like, do we know – I kind of keep it very basic. Do we know where, like, when people first started talking about time travel? Like, when did this first come up? Do we know that? Yeah, like, when when the first, like, idea of time travel is, like, a narrative. So, yeah, we do. So, time travel is, like, a narrative. Um, time travel is a concept, I guess. Really goes back to mythology in many ways. You know, I mean, we look at... Um, if we look at, say, like, even in the Bible, right, the book of Revelation is a time travel story, right, because it shows the end of the world. So it shows time in the future that someone is being able to see. Um, oh, that's true, yeah. A lot of early versions of time travel stories talk about being able to see the future but not travel through it. Yeah. So it's like a, it's a, it's an important difference, Um in that, you know, it's – you can't change anything. You can't really go back to the past and change things that you can see. Uh, you can see what is happening in the future and maybe see past events as well, but it's it's limited to, like, a vision of the past. The idea of, like, traveling to the past kind of comes about with the idea of time 
it, it kind of changes the way we view time. Like we view time as like a place as opposed to just as a, uh, as like a, a state of being. It's a yeah. hard, it's a hard difference in explaining it, okay. but it's, it's kind of like, I don't know if anyone else remembers when you were a kid, like the first time that you were able to really cross like a the major road or street in your area on your own, you know? Yeah. Um, or even like the first, maybe the first time you got a driver's license, the first time you drove anywhere yourself or got a bike. For me, that was like the first time that I really thought about my neighborhood and my environment around me as like a, like a map, right? Like, like an area where the school is this many, is this far away and everything else. It's kind of the same shift in thinking that happens to time. And it comes about with science and kind of scientific study, but, um, but, like, the first narrative use of time travel is around the time of, like, around the time of the story of, like, Rip Van Winkle. Um, there were yeah. a little, there okay. were some previous stories before, but really, like, Rip Van Winkle, and then actually the story that really puts it in the modern view more than anything is The Time Machine by H.G. Wells, but also, interestingly, um, A Christmas Carol um, by Charles Dickens. Where again, yeah. you're able to like travel, or you know, uh, Scrooge travels to the past and future to see what his life was like and what it will be like. Yeah, yeah. some separate narrative. Yep. Yeah. Now, what so, do you... so it's like it's an idea to like the eighteen, like seventeen, late seventeen hundreds, early to mid eighteen hundreds. Okay. All right. Interesting. Um... Yeah, what do you – this is kind of an off-the-wall question, but, like, uh, have you seen – are you aware – and I want to get into politics too much, but the – are you aware of, like, the old book that's, like, mentions – it's, like, a Baron Trump book that's, like uh, – people think that it's, like, time written, you know, with time travel somehow or something like that. Are you aware of this whole thing? No. What? Oh, Hold no. on. Wait, no, but I need to hear. I need oh, to hear everything well, I don't about know. this immediately. It raises time travel suspicions. That's probably the best way to put it. Let me see. I'll, I'll tell you the book name here. Let me see. Oh, the okay. The, by Ingersoll Lockwood, the travels and adventures of Little Baron Trump and his wonderful dog Bulger. Yes, yeah, something like that. I don't know if that's the first book or what. Or what? Two children. Oh my yeah. God, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and it's a whole thing where it's like uh, there's, there's all these like things that uh, connect where it's like it, 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 it's eerily informed or something like that. That might be the best way to put it. I'll write down to like the character's name and stuff. So I guess that was kind of uh, – if you haven't heard of the book, <laughs> there's no uh, – okay, you know, it's just kind of this... weird. It's kind of – I guess so – what do you think of these ideas that, that like things – you know that these ideas kind of get seeded in somehow. Okay, wait. Before before Marie answers, like, I want to read. Like Ong's hat, though, right? I mean, Ong's hat ahead, Marie, and that I'm entire sorry. phenomenon. Um, What's that? Ong's hat and that entire phenomenon of uh, like there's some there's some area I can't remember where it's based out of, but it's it's called Ong's hat, and there's all of this literature around. Um, all this work that's been done in this one area, and it's a portal, right? So you go there, and it has this entire backstory, and it's got all these references and all these other books that were kind of created in support of it. And it really comes down to 
you know, you, you start to notice it, you start to notice coincidences the more you start to look. Yeah. And then the more you look for something, the more you're more apt to find it because you're looking for something. It's like the, like whatever, the number 21, 17, whatever the, yeah, you yeah. know, sort of the, the big things that you're supposed to trip into that you're finding, you know, like tennis or rabbits or any of the, the good podcasts that I've been listening to recently that lay heavily into that. And it's kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, if I look hard enough for coincidence, uh, you know, or if I if I'm hyper aware of something, or looking at something, I can associate to it. But is it is it really telling me about the you know is it really is it really something from that sort of you know uh, from the future or is it something that I am that I am really creating a narrative in my head because it's like I, it's very easy to do that. I think it's very like those are the things that are always the most interesting too, right? Cause you start to, you start to pick up on patterns. You start to feel like you're decoding something and it's like, Oh, how much of that is really true versus how much of that is, is um, almost like an echo chamber for it to occur. Like I haven't heard of this book, but Oh hell yeah. Now I'm fascinated, fascinated by it. And I want to hear all about this, you know, cause it's like, well, I want to read this. What is this? I don't even know what it's about. Well, it's, it's like funny. about a little, so here, Marie, a little. Okay, go ahead, Chris. I was gonna. So here, okay, so here's the. Um, <laughs> here is the uh, the article. This is from Wikipedia. The 2017 rediscovery. In July 2017, mm-hmm. the books were rediscovered by internet forum users and then by the media, who pointed out similarities between the protagonist and a certain U.S. president. Jamie Fuller wrote in Politico that Baron Trump is precocious, restless, and prone to get in trouble. He often mentions his massive brain and has a personalized insult for most people he meets. Fuller also notes that Baron Trump lives in a building named after himself, the Castle Trump. Um, furthermore, so yeah, Baron obviously is Trump's youngest son. And then I guess that's the travels in the first book start in Russia. Um, and then I guess the, uh, the, the author Lockwood wrote another book called The Last President, in which New York City is riven by protests following the shocking victory of a populist candidate who brings on the downfall of the American. That's the one we should be looking into. <laughs> I know. So that's the one about the little kid one. that goes underground and gets into trouble with women. He like you know with or whatever. Like that's not the you know. Now, anyways, um, the thing like Marie when said, right? Written? There are probably Chris. When like, were these written? These were written in the 1880s. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So spooky. So definitely spooky. Well, well, it's, it's interesting, right? <laughs> I guess what I'll what I'll say is this, right? I honestly do believe that. Um, I personally believe that history and kind of nature follows like kind of follows patterns, you know. History and history does, I think, follow patterns, and I think it it's not because it is following the patterns. It's like Marie said, it's because we look for patterns. You know, and humans, you know, we like to think that we're, um, we like to think that we're so much more evolved than in like the 1800s. But basically, you know, human, we're, we've been the same species for thousands of years, right? Millions of years. We're basically cavemen in pants, you know? So um, the, the stuff that makes us tick is the same that it's always ever been. And so the idea that, you know, sometimes the stories we tell come back around and, and look eerily similar. 
I think that's probably just because we're like, you know, we, we have the same monkey brains we always did. You know what yeah. I mean? Sometimes. Well, I'm sure there's, yeah. I'm sure there's also I mean, a lot of other writings from that time that would be similar. Right? If you brought up right, some other that, story. Yeah. That, well, yeah, you could yeah, find I was, I was going to say, that's, that's the other thing. Terrible in there. Yeah, that's the other thing, too, is um, I guess the other part of it that's interesting is, like Marie said, number one, th- this was, it's funny, in the Wikipedia article here it says that this book was, like, written as a, as part of a swell of, like, children's fantasy novels after Alice's Wonder, uh, Adventures in Wonderland became popular in the United States. And so there's, like, probably thousands of books like this that just never became popular because right, they never right. caught on. You know what I mean? And this one never caught on either. This one would have been thrown away if a couple of states voted slightly differently. You know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's always easy to like, it's always easy to, uh, it's always easy to find patterns, you know? Um, and again, like if this, per, if, if, look, if, if this person really had a way to look into the future or if um, we saw that like these sorts of things happened, it's, it's like, I remember after 9-11 happened, um, you know, people were saying, like, you know, oh, some guy online found a machine that uses entropy to determine when giant, great catastrophes are going to happen. And it's like, oh, great, so then why didn't he warn anybody? Yeah. Like, that guy's a monster then, right? Like, he didn't right, warn right. a single person, but, hey, be careful. This is, my machine is telling me that danger's close. You know what I mean? It's kind of the same thing with this. Like, if the only way that, you know, if the only way that you're – fortune telling or their ability to look into the future um, comes forward is in books that are like a little bit seem like they're satirical written in the modern day about a president. That's like a terrible, you know, I want a new superpower. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's a terrible superpower. Like I just, you know, my stuff comes out in snarky BuzzFeed columns about look at how similar this book is to Donald Trump. Like that sucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it, yeah, the only way he can warn the world is through a young adult fantasy book in the 1800s it's like how the fuck <laughs> yeah dude yeah, exactly. that's not that's, a very effective means of getting the message no out. and that's and that's when conspiracy starts to take over right because then it's like well he had to say it this way because the illuminate you know and this is like a silly example of that He's but like that into the shadows chris right by persecution and had to get the message out but it's also like it's it you know chris you, you said it was easy and it may not be easy but it's just satisfying to be able to make yes. those connections and those narrative leaps is satisfying. And I think that's the other reason that people love to do that, right, is like decoding something, even if there's nothing there to decode, to make meaning, is something that we crave and we love We love to be able to do. I think a certain mindset especially loves to be able to do it, whether, you know, whether it's, you know, some kids book from the 1880s that may not have anything to do with anything or, you know, Anything like that. If if we can drive some narrative out of it to to fit a pattern that that makes sense to us, it is it's something that we love. People love doing. Yeah, and that's the other. Yeah. I guess the other part about it I'll say too is like, you know, what was a really popular like type of story, um, kind of historically and even even still today, really is uh, rich rich kid goes on adventures. Right, like think about like Richie Rich and those sorts of stories, right? I mean, um, you know, and the thing is too, like the parts of the Baron Trump book that are similar-ish to Donald Trump, I guess, if you look at them that way, um, you know, 
there also are loads of parts that aren't, right? Baron Trump goes underground to look at weird hidden civilizations. I don't think Donald Trump has ever been underground. I mean, on the subway, maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah, the bunker. You know, there's a lot of things in his book. That he when he hid in the bunker. You know, the, when he hid in the bunker. Right, that's true. That's true, he did. He hid in the, the bunker, thing, and he called a bunch of uh, important countries shithole countries. So really, where right, my apologies. My apologies. The other, the other part, the other part that's so funny about this too is again, like, you know, the book that he wrote about, like the American president taking down America. He said that would happen in 1898. You know what I mean? So like, this guy, they're not bad in a thousand. Oh, jeez. Um, yeah, but it is interesting though. I mean, it's still kind of a, it's a fun coincidence, you know. Well, um, uh, it's interesting too. Talking about that made me think of. Uh... I think we're all kind of around the same age. It's kind of amazing this thing that's come up and it never was around before. It's kind of like what this Baron Trump story is, but different. Um, and that's this whole Berenstein Bears thing or the Mandela effect. Oh, yeah. It's like, where the fuck yeah, did that come from? Now it's a thing. It's, a, it's like digital deja vu or something. You know what's funny? I it It's actually, I had a, um, dude, there are like, there are things like that that happen all the damn time, and you don't even um, give it a like I thought. swear I remember like like things like not just the Mandela effect and everything else. That's super duper interesting, right? But like there are things that I swear I remember. Like you, did you did you ever have PB crisps? Yeah, yeah, I love PB crisps. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So. By the time that those like stopped being produced, I think I would have been like, when did they? When did those stop being made? Right. Oh like, shit! I don't know. Like twenty years ago or something. I don't know. When I was at, when yeah. I was probably in high school ish, I think. Yeah. So, supposedly they were discontinued in like the two thousands ish, right? Okay. But I remember those going like they're like things like that. Like I remember those going out of out of uh, availability way, way, way earlier than that. You know what I mean? Because, like, I want You know, with the right door coming off, I'm, I'm sitting in the – I'm upstairs on my N64 with peanut butter on my lips, um, you know, <laughs> scratching my neck, like, got any more PB Crisp, Dora? She's like, get away from there, spraying me with a water bottle. Like, no! um, <laughs> give me the Crisp. Um, the, you know, like, stuff uh, – I don't know why I brought that up. I, I clearly want peanut butter. Um you know, but yeah, like that burn the Bernstein Bears thing is very strange because that was one other Mandela effects things, like I never really they never really like hit me. You know, I was like, I don't you know, yeah. whatever. I never really had I was too young to have any real thoughts about like Nelson Mandela. You know what I mean? Like I I, I don't know right, if I would have right. known who he was until, you know, high school or whatever. So it's like, you know, uh that kind of stuff I had never really hit me. But the Berenstein Bears one Really got me because I was like, I that is not right. Like I remember it being the Bearstein or whatever Bernstein Bears, you know. Um, right, right, right. But it just it just turns out that like I just wasn't a very good reader, and most <laughs> and most people, well, most no, people were it, you know. Memberer. I mean, it comes back to right, right, or you know, faulty human memory. It's like how how you know how you can influence memory one way or the other. It's like, you know, you yeah. remember it one way, but I, I think that that's like the whole Mandela effect to me is like a real interesting, just a, it's just an interesting exercise in like human memory and consciousness kind of in general. It's like, well, if you think it's this way, 
it might as well be that way because that's how you remember it. But that may not be even close to what it was in reality. Right? Yeah. So yeah. it's spelled differently think- or spelled on didn't die in, you know, South Africa, in a South African jail, then, you know, like, well, and it's like, is that an alternate reality? Or maybe it's just that you didn't remember it correctly, which is just as interesting in my book. Well, it also, it also, I think, really has, like, important, important, um, you know, important effects or, I guess, important implications for, again, like, we're talking about, you know, conspiracies and paranormal and UFOs and whatever, like, Again, you know, a tremendous portion of the public, for whatever reason, um, believes and remembers a, a, a thing wrong. And it's a pretty insignificant thing, maybe, if you think about it, right, the name of these books. But um, but that's still, like, that is a very interesting thing. And, you know, again, like, we, that is something that's easy to prove, right? Like, no, the books, like, we can go back in history <laughs> yeah. and show that the books have always been called this and you just were, you know, your brain was making again, like an easy change, you know? Yeah. Um, versus like, you know, saying that, you know, imagine if the conspiracy was bigger than that, right? Like, no wonder it's easy for them to spread and be, um, just be out there everywhere. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, when people again say like, you know, well, do you think that so many people would just be, could could so many people just be wrong about seeing a UFO or about seeing a ghost or whatever? And it's like, Bernstein Bears, man. You know what I mean? Like, yes. Like, people <laughs> are wrong about stuff. In... For that, though, Chris. Say it again, what's Marie? That, Marie? You know, like, what's the tipping point for that, though, Chris? Because it's like it had to take a certain amount of people to believe that for it to actually catch catch into a consciousness that was like, yes, it was that. Right. So I'm kind of like, that's the thing that's kind of interesting, too. It's like, well, yeah, sure. I might I might remember that Jello wasn't hyphenated or some shit like that. And they never had, you know, they never had cherry flavor. They only had raspberry or whatever, whatever the the, the thing is that you're remembering. But it, it takes a certain amount of people and a certain amount of momentum to make it into a Mandela effect. And that's what I think is well, kind of like. Right, right. That's why I called like, it. Else. Yeah, that's why I called it like digital deja vu. There's a, uh, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier about the shared reality, where it's like, uh, it's almost like reality is being shaped constantly in a way that it wasn't really before, uh, because everyone's kind what? of participating in it in a way that they weren't before. It's hard to kind of put my arms around that, but I think you know what I mean. That's actually really interesting and something I hadn't really oh, yeah. ever thought of before, actually. Like, like what you're saying, like, um, you know, actually, and as we were discussing that, I was thinking about that. Remember that stupid dress? Yeah, yeah. Kind of like, like that. Some people <laughs> thought it was blue. Some people thought it was yellow or whatever the hell it was, right? And right. that is actually, like, an example of that where if you – I like, if there was – again, this is, like, the kind of crazy – experiments we wish we could do on the show and again why I'm like one bad cheeseburger away from villainy <laughs> you know if we if we were able to like if we were able to show that picture to a thousand people who had never seen it you know a thousand people just living on an island someplace who have never seen a computer before we just showed them a picture of the dress and asked them what color it was I wonder if we would get the same disparity in like 50% say it's blue 50% say it's yellow versus was it just 
one person saw it as yellow and then just suggesting that, no, this is a yellow dress, it made, it made other people see it as yellow. You know, so it's, it's more almost like a, again, like you're saying, like deja vu, Tim, it's like, a, again, it's like, it's like a, it's a visual almost, um, it's almost like a visual meme, I guess, or a visual uh, optic, like a, 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 a socially constructed optical illusion. You know, yeah, and that's yeah. really like at the yeah. end of the day, a lot yeah. of this, right? Like with like with magic, the reason that like a magic trick works isn't isn't always because you're, it's because you are you are being socially conditioned by the by the magician to like you know we'll follow my hand over here, right? Um, whereas you know if you were just on without that person's input, you wouldn't necessarily be tricked by what they're showing you. Um, kind of the same thing. Like it's a really in, and and does social media make us more prone to those things? Because now there are mm-hmm. there is a lot more input from people that we normally would get, right? Like if in your in your normal life you never ask somebody, you know, we're get, we're back to stoner questions now, Tim. In your normal life you never ask somebody like, hey man, do you see red the same way that I see red, right? Yeah. But that's yeah. what like that <laughs> that's what that stupid dress made us do. Um, and for a lot yeah. of people, it, I think it was very yeah. kind of shocking. <laughs> you know, people were like, oh crap, yeah. not everyone well, does. Well, obviously they set up a choice, right? It set up a binary yeah. choice. Right. And right. I, I, all of a sudden I have an option. And by the way, Tim, like excellent stoner questions. Excellent stoner oh, questions. Wow. Yeah, very, that, 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 that <laughs> honestly is a hell of a question. I, we got we to gotta well, think of a way, Marie, to turn that into an episode. That's a really, it's honestly a very interesting, um, yeah, yeah well, that's hella interesting, man. To, you can apply the same thing to the Havana, uh, to the Havana yeah. sonic weapon. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Basically, it's like, well, you have a group of people that had this experience, but then all of a sudden they are being asked, "Did you have this? Did you have that? Did you feel this? Did you feel that?" And they're like, "Well, yeah. As a matter of fact, I did." So you already have colored or influenced a group of people on what this thing could do or what or what happened to them without any kind of context, without any kind of well, scientific baseline to actually go on and then it just all of a sudden it all of a sudden takes off it's and funny it's actually have you like, ever that is a fascinating thing did you ever either of you ever do like a study or a, a test of like um i guess it's not really mental res- i don't really know what we would call it but basically like there's a um there's like a psychological phenomenon so i so so you know i talk about it on the show a lot and everything else but so i i have obsessive compulsive disorder and so one of the symptoms is, like, not really being able to effectively, like, filter out um, mental, like, noise, basically. Right? So, like, every day when you're, like, walking around or whatever, you're, you're having thoughts and you're humming to yourself and you're counting and whatever, right? Like, most people do those things. But for most people, that stuff is sort of, like, stuff you just ignore, right? Um, but for someone with, like, OCD, it's, it's harder to ignore those stimuli, and so, mm-hmm. um, so sometimes, like you know, your um, your brain will just kind of uh, you'll just have a thought, and then you'll just kind of fixate on it, right? So you'll, you know, the, the best example I guess I can give of it is like um, if you've ever had a song stuck in your head, right? Yeah, it's like that, yep. but it's like with a thought, right? So it's like you know, like mm-hmm. I could I could push over that uh, I could push over that dumpster, right? Um, that's like an innocuous thought that like people might have and just like, whatever, like, yeah, I could, whatever. Right. But, um, but for some people they get stuck on that thought and it becomes like, well, why am I having that thought? And 
all these other a cascade yeah, of other yeah, thoughts I know happen. But but anyways, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but what's interesting, I think, or, or kind of really interesting, is if um, if that, I guess, if the if the thought that people, if if you were able to, I guess, um, sort of. I don't even know how to. I don't even know how to say it. I'm just going off on a random tangent. I'm just. I'm just down a rabbit hole now that I can't <laughs> no, explain. No, no, I'm just dead in the water. No, no, no. It's the same. I, I totally get. I get what you're saying, and I'm not even stoned that you guys know. But I think <laughs> like, it's the same kind of principle. It's like I guess. How I guess what I was going to say is, have you had? And and keep repeat. Like I think that there is something to it that that's sort of like, you know, again, that it is it is sort of human nature, like you have whatever, like for me personally, it's like if I have a question about something, and this happens in research all the time, something snags and I'll be reading and I don't even know what it is and it just starts to, it just starts to bubble to the surface, starts to bubble to the surface. And it's like maybe two days later or something that it comes full-fledged and it's like that date was wrong, why is that? Or like something mm-hmm. was like something that I didn't see that didn't make sense, but while yours is more on like a repeat, mine is almost more like it. I feel it when I first see it, but then it's like it takes a couple of days to become an actual, an actual thing, and then and then I can't ignore mm-hmm. it. And then I'm like, okay, I, I've got to go find out why this date was different than the rest of the dates or whatever it is. I think that that kind of thing is one of the things that feeds into the idea of the Mandela effect. Yeah, what, so what I was gonna what I was gonna say was to, and I, I remember it now, thank God, because my brain would have been like, "What the hell were you trying to say?" Um, have you ever tried Doctor. to not think about something? Oh, it's impossible. So what I mean, what I mean by oh, yeah, it's like, yeah. so, okay, yeah. And so, li- so listeners, if you're listening to this now, right, try not to think about a red ball. Right, it's really hard. It's really hard to not to purposefully not think about something. Yeah. Um, your brain will just bring it up because you are in telling yourself to not think about something, you're thinking about it. Right? <laughs> so um and so there's like tricks you can do, right? Like you can focus on another thing or whatever, but still it's the input, it's the it's the once it catches, you kinda have no control over it. You know? Right. And so it's the same thing I think with this like with the Mandela effect or with these other things where, you know, again, um people I think sort of we all assume that our brains are like under our control all the time. That's, you know, and you know, you are your brain, obviously like there's no dichotomy between like you and your brain, but like, but you're, you are tricked a lot of the time by your brain, like stuff, you know, input that comes into your oh, head yeah, all the time, yeah. is incorrect. Like, you know, we, I think as a species sort of have always overestimated our ability to like control what we see and what we think and, and whatever, but you know, with with social media and with these other things, that's, I think, kind of the most interesting part of what you suggested, Tim, is this idea of social media as a way to kind of see into someone else's thoughts or the Internet as a way to see into someone else's thoughts and how that affects um, how that affects your own thoughts, right, and your own kind of perception of the world and then how you view it. I don't know. It's very it's – it it was, it was that was a good question, man. That's a good point. That's going to be a that really, that really was a very interesting point, I think. Now, Tim. Now we're going to have to beat that one to death. 
You're welcome. There you go. Well, I recommended one uh, series to Chris a while back. Uh, the This question, I, it came up actually from the Dr. Howard Carter uh, show, and I was thinking to myself, which is another one of these great series that uh, you guys did on Mad Scientist Podcast. But do we, and I don't expect either of you to know this, but you may, because you guys are kind of like me, where I think that if something kind of popped in your head, you'd try and find it out, and then you'd remember it. Um, but, and I haven't gone that far. I just had the question. But do we know, and I said this, to, I wrote, Chris, I was like, you should do a show on this, because uh, it seems up your alley based on the Howard Carter thing. But do we know, okay, now all that set up. Do we know who, like how they first found the dinosaurs? Like, who the fuck first dug up one of these things? Like, when did they put all this together? Because to me, that's kind of, like, crazy and fascinating and weird. Like, it, it had to have been some point, like, in the 1800s or something like that. Someone must have dug – someone had to be the first person to dig up a dinosaur. And it was just taking them a while to figure it's out what the fuck yeah. these things were. I will tell I mean, you, Tim, that that is an episode I am yeah. currently researching. Because oh, <laughs> we are going to do that episode. Nice. All right. They thought there were dragons before then, man. You know it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure that was the case. They'd be like, they're a fucking dinosaur. Those are fucking dragons. I love that. Yeah, I bet that was. If you think think about what part of the country they found dinosaurs, like what parts of America do they find dinosaurs in, right? It um, it It is parts of the country that tend to be, uh, like, so it's funny. In, in America, archaeology kind of like archaeology proper, I guess, is its own sort of thing. But then there's also, like, religious archaeology out there. So I don't know if you guys have ever been to, like, in Pennsylvania especially, there are – it's weird because, like, you don't – I don't think – at least I never really thought of Pennsylvania as being, like, a particularly, like, religiously conservative area. Like, they'd be Amish, but, you know, that's more of, like, a sideshow attraction than, like, a real, yeah. I don't know, cultural block, right? But, like, um, not to, like, belittle <laughs> an entire people's, like, faith and identity, Again, whatever. But they're not listeners, listening to the podcast. You it's fine. can reach not... Chris at, uh, at Dr. Cog. No, you go ahead. Um, but, like, so the the this idea of uh, there being archaeology – done with the purpose of, like, proving the Bible right. Ah, yeah? Well, yeah and a, so yeah. when they first when they first found dinosaurs, they were like, oh, this is, uh, this is like Leviathan, or this is the, the beast that Job saw. Um, and, like, so initially, the, initially almost the discovery of dinosaurs was, like, kind of a, like, in a, a sideshow kind of thing. It wasn't really taken very seriously. And wow, it was... It was sort of a religiously tinged um it was a religiously tinged thing too at first for some people anyways. Um Well, imagine how crazy it would be to find that jawbone. I mean that's like yeah, that's no, like it's, you can you can imagine how that would have a, almost a religious or a, a fable or a lore to it just by finding something that huge. I mean that's that would be that would be crazy to have to you know, to to find and be like and try and make sense of. If you've never heard of dinosaurs before, I could see why you would be like, "Well, yeah, that's that right there. That's that's uh, yeah, that's Leviathan, or you know, or the giant squid is is Leviathan or Kraken or whatever." It's like those things seem, you know, natural history can have a can have a definite, you know, if you if you 
decide to look at it in that way can have a different um, plant. I can hardly yeah, totally. That, so that's going to be good. Yeah, no, it, it totally changes. Um, when they when they first discovered dinosaurs, it basically co- totally changes our view of the Earth, too, because you have to imagine, you have to remember, too, that the, the time that they first discovered, so I think the first person to actually find a dinosaur bone was a was a um, was a clergyman. Like I think he was a friar or something. Yeah. Um, so when they first discovered it, though, um, yeah, the first the first one was by a guy named Robert Plot, um, and they initially thought that it was. They initially thought that it was just a part of a giant human. <laughs> they <even laughs> thought it was like giant. Because again, because again in the Bible mm-hmm. they talk about giants, right, and giant right, beings right. or whatever. So it was like, well, where are the giants then? If, if you know, and so them mm-hmm. all dying and us having the bones for them made a lot of sense. Um, but so uh, we have to remember too that this was also at the time where like there was a huge fight going on between people who thought the Earth was. 6,000 years old and those who thought it was older. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so the the uh, the evidence of there being, like, animals that we have absolutely no records of in any historical documents, <laughs> you know, that made a lot of – that was quite a stir for the – like, those in power um, of that debate, right? And one side of that debate really – really changed things quite quickly. So um, – and it also just like you know at, at that point too we had uh, we had thoughts about like how big something could get right and so today right, we know right. that it's like a limit mm-hmm. today we know that there's a limitation on like the amount of oxygen you can get and how much you can like literally pump the muscle and stuff like that but at the time you know it, we didn't know any of that you know so it was just like we haven't ever found anything that big but you find a giant bone like that and you're like crap is this thing hiding. You know, um, but yeah, dude, it's, yeah, it's yeah. funny. Is there a giant like, Tim, you end up, come out I mean, and you, get this bone? What's, what's funny, Tim, is like you end up really with, like, when you watch, I mean, you know, a lot of those, we talk about those ideas as if they're like crazy things, whatever. You know, Ancient Aliens has entire seasons practically dedicated to David Childress being like, there are giants out here, right? Like, that idea hasn't gone away. Um, people still believe in giants. It's yeah, people still definitely still dumb. Giants, yeah. You know, it's still, it's still silly. Um, and it comes, a lot of it comes from, like, misidentification of, of fossils. Yeah, that would make sense. It's crazy just to think about, like, they're so ubiquitous now that there's a, there, there was a time when there, people didn't know about dinosaurs. It's, like, crazy to think about when you think about it that way. It's, uh, yeah. The world is always changing. Yeah, yeah man. It's, I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I don't know. There was a time. There wasn't. A, there was a time not that long ago that, like, not you know, us, um, you know, we're three relatively smart, well-educated people. There was a time, you know, a hundred, a generation ago, a hundred years ago, us three knowing about like viruses or germs would have been, you know, impossible, right? Like we, right, you know, we right. would have. We would have had to have been, like, medical doctors, like, doing specialty right. research to know anything about, like, germs and viruses. Like, there's so much about um, – there's so much about the world around us that we take for granted. And, again, mm-hmm. it, 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 this has happened at a rate – we're getting back to Ted Kaczynski now, and humans aren't ready for this technology. Um, yeah. You know, 
it it has come at us it's in such at such a rate at such a clip that it's like um we talk about with animals having like their entire ecosystem destroyed and changed and how disruptive that is for their species we kind of never think about ourselves in those same terms you know but like the last 100 200 300 years have basically been like you know taking a goldfish and throwing them into a completely new tank with yeah. with not even like water you know what i mean so it's you know uh, i think it's a very interesting and important question to wonder you know like what has that done to us um you know we're we like to think of ourselves as more than our biology but i still think like we're not that advanced you know so what has it done to us what 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 effect are we ready for this technology those sorts of questions should we live in the woods tim yeah <laughs> well it's so damn plain they're so loud it's it's so i think a big part of it and i'll let you guys go in a moment but yeah i think a big part of it comes back around to like we can kind of figure out almost every other part of the body, but the brain and the mind is still, like, the most difficult to wrap our heads around, no pun intended. And it's like, uh, who knows, you know, we just, since we don't understand it, we can't really grapple with sort of changes around us. We can't really kind of understand what's going to, how it's going to affect people, you know, in that sense, I guess. All we, all we can do... If we knew everything, it would be dumb. Exactly. Yes. All we can all we can do is be humble in the fact that we don't know everything, right? Like that's the only thing we yeah. can do to be sure that we're not um, that we're not being dogmatic and and arrogant in the face of unknown, right? That's the only thing it that we can do. Comes back to what you say, Chris. Chris, it comes back to what you say. Just don't be a dick. Right, don't, don't be a dick. dick. It's so, it's yeah, so don't be a dick. Come on. <laughs> now I'm not going to put you on the spot here, but I'll let you I'll let you ponder this before I before I put it in the mail. That sounds creepy, especially given the context. But uh, I want to write to the Unabomber, and I want to find out what that dirty limerick he wrote was that got him fired when he got into the fight oh my with God. the lady. Because I remember in the episode you, you guys mentioned he had like a girlfriend, a quasi girlfriend, and he. They, they they split up, or she, you know, she didn't want to date him in the first place or something. I don't recall the exact circumstances. But he wrote a dirty limerick on the bathroom wall, and they fired him. And no one, <laughs> and it's been lost to history. So I feel like if I wrote to the Unabomber, I'd be like, what is this? What is this dirty limerick you wrote? So before I before I write to the Unabomber, if you have any questions for the Unabomber, let me know. I'll let you know before I send him a send him a letter. I mean, that, would be, Honestly, that would be a landmark podcast because if we, I get a letter back, we'll come, we'll come, we'll all, we'll all get together and read uh, read the letter from the Unabomber, even if it's even if it's open and he's like, yeah, exactly. I think Dirty Limerick is, like, honestly my number one question. It'd be Dirty Limerick and, like, no, it'd be Dirty Limerick. That's the top question. What was it? Yeah, what did you write, Ted? That's not a bad one. That's not a bad one. We've, we thought about writing them, too, because you got to write, you know, if you if you did, like, just yellow lined paper and pencil, you know, I'm sure that there, you know, you could kind of sweet talk your way into into a response from them like that. It'd be interesting. I bet he might. You never know. You never know. Dear Ted, we've heard you I smell like milk. Like we also enjoy milk. What's <laughs> <laughs> Like what? You know, 
dear Ted, we we also are worried about the rate of technological advancement in the modern age. Would you like to talk? Would you like to email back to us? Also, what was that dirty limerick you wrote to your coworker that made her get you fired? Um, <laughs> totally normal. You're totally normal friends, Chris and Marie. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! All right. Not so the watch list. Yeah, yeah. I love. Yeah. I, well, I was reading up on that too. I was looking into it, and it was like, yeah, they're like, uh, the letters will all eventually be published someday, and some college has the rights to it, like fifty years after he dies or something like that. It's like so, you'll essentially be in someone's uh, in in the Unabomber arch- archive for writing him writing him a letter. Mm-hmm. So that's I have had to weigh that uh, aspect of it too. Um, but you know, I did. I have seen a few letters that he has written back, and crazily enough, I think I mentioned this to Chris. The he fucking recommends people get his book on Amazon, and it's like, <laughs> dude, you sell out. Like, what the fuck, man? Like, really? So really, there are real like letters from him. Where he's like, you can get my manifesto. You can get it on Amazon as long as my along with my other books, because he apparently has other books now. See, like, it, what's going on in that bean? Like, what the hell is up with that? That's some weird shit, right? Did you, it's like Amazon is not the river, dude. Like, you don't have, like, you know, river dolphins delivering the book to me. It's actually a delivery service owned by a quadrazillionaire. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating character. Because then you want to also be yeah. like, Dude, if you had just waited, you could have just put your manifesto on Amazon. <laughs> like everyone's getting their manifesto out, dude. You, you, you wouldn't have been a problem if you just waited a little longer for the internet. You fucking nut. Oh man. Anyway, what, <laughs> what topics? Uh, or for, you want to tease any future topics that are coming up on Mad Scientist Podcast before we uh, call it a night? Yeah, we're uh, so we're gonna do a series on um, we're actually gonna do a series on like the invention of flight and or airplanes and kind of the physics behind flight and how the how airplanes work. Um, we're gonna do one on forensic science, um, which should be a, a lot of fun. And uh, and the episode on dinosaurs, man, the series on dinosaurs is gonna be a lot of fun too. So yeah, th- we got some good stuff coming up this season. Nice, I'm looking forward to it. And Marie, More you're, you're still. Boner coffins, you say? No, no, boner coffins would be great. I was like, I would what say the fuck? more stoner topics. You have, okay, if your listeners right. have stoner topics that they would like us to dig into, by all means, we're oh, we're stoner, oh we're stoner here. topics. Oh, all right, stoner, stoner yeah, topics. Send, send them along. Send What's them along, questions? please. Uh, <laughs> but all right, well. Nobody needs that. Boner coffins, yeah. Well, I thought that was some kind of like uh, archaeology thing. So it was like, what is what is that? Like some inside archaeology joke. Um, all right, Marie, you also have the podcast, uh, Whatever Remains. And uh, are you, is that kind of like, do you have a plan for that? Or is that just kind of, you know, uh, um, yeah, uh, fly I'm, by night? I am, uh, we're going to be finishing up Circleville. Um, I actually have got a cold case that I might start to look into about a suicide that may be a murder. Um, I'm even looking at a series on pirates. So a lot of fun things coming up. It just depends on which one of my Freedom Information Acts comes comes in first. Nice. There you go. And uh, yeah, so that's whatever remains, and the uh, and the website for here for the Mad Scientist Podcast is themadscientistpodcast.com. So. 
folks yeah. can uh, go and check that out and subscribe and all that good stuff. So I feel like I could talk to you guys forever, so I'm definitely going to have you back on the show uh, in the future. And uh, I love this conversation. We really got into some deep stuff, and uh, some might call them stoner questions, but, you know, we do what we can here on Friday night. Uh, but I really did. I loved it. You guys made me think a lot, so thank you very much. I really uh, really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, Tim, as always, it's a pleasure, man. Thanks for having us on, and, uh, and yeah, well, we'd love to come back anytime. Absolutely. Thank you. This is a lot of fun. Awesome. Thanks, guys. All right. Well, have a great night. You too. You too, man. All right. Bye. Good night. There you go. That was uh, Dr. Chris Cogswell and Marie Mayhew from the Mad Scientist podcast. That was awesome. I really enjoyed that that conversation quite a bit. Um, Really got into some deep stuff. I really, yeah, I'm fascinated by that Unabomber case. So it's uh, so so strange. Um, we'll we'll uh, we'll keep you informed, folks, if we uh, end up writing to the Unabomber. Uh, now, if you're you're probably you're almost a, you're definitely listening to this on the MP3. So for the people who are now listening to that, so we had a chaos situation through uh, our friends at Blog Talk, of course, uh, last week, where I was like up and ready to roll and ready to roll out last week's Tyler Coach on show. Uh, on the podcast feed on Saturday. And next thing you know, uh, of course, Blog Talk, like, ate the episode and didn't spit it out till Monday morning. And then I have to work in the week, so it kind of would just wore me down all week that I couldn't get around to it. So you're listening to this now uh, after that. So I figure uh, we're, we're stuffing your podcast feed, hopefully, uh, hopefully this weekend here, uh, the first weekend in March. On next week's show... We're going to do something similar to tonight's show, Uh, another podcast I'm a huge fan of, another podcasting tandem uh, that I am a a huge fan of. Now, you folks listening, you all are familiar with our good friend Aaron Gullius. He, of course, course of the Saucer Life podcast. So I'm going to have him on, and he's going to be doing something special, joining me will be his co-host on Great Lakes Lore. Let me get Samantha's name up here. I apologize, folks. I did not plan this well at all. <laughs> so, Samantha Angle, they, uh, Aaron, as you know, he uh, has the podcast Saucer Life, outstanding podcast. Uh, sometime around the fall, he and Samantha teamed up to create a new podcast, a spinoff, if you will, of uh, Saucer Life that is Great Lakes Lore. And so we're going to have them on the show next week. We're going to talk about uh, Great Lakes Lore and sort of like lore in general, I think. Uh, And uh, they've covered the Circleville letters, so we'll probably get into that a little bit. And um, stuff around the Midwest, stuff around the Great Lakes, uh, strange and quirky kind of stories. I think people will dig it a lot. Uh, You know, I love them quirky stories. So, yeah, Aaron Gullius and Samantha Engel, that's next week on the program. Uh, Great Lakes Lore, Saucer Life, that'll be what? March 11th, uh, same but all time, same but all channel, 9 p.m. Uh, next Friday night. It'll be, uh, it'll be a lot of fun. And I think, that's, uh, I think that's it. So I hope everybody uh, has a great weekend, has a great week. And uh, until next time, thank you. To uh, Zach Copley, Cobbles, in the chat room. Thanks to all the folks who listened live, and uh, thanks to the folks listening on MP3. 
down the line. Much appreciated. Until next time, this is Tim and all. Thanking you for listening. Yeah.